everybody. Welcome back to Movie Real. I'm Kevin Tracy. And I am Samantha Tomlinson. And what movie are we talking about today? We are talking about one of my all-time favorite movies from the 90s, The Mummy from 1999, starring Brendan Fraser. That's right, The Mummy. Yeah. Not this... that Tom Cruise ripoff. Oh my god. <laughs> that movie, the Tom Cruise Mummy, the thing is, I just... From the trailer, I knew it was going to be a piece of shit. And I remember, especially when they exported the trailer wrong and it was released and the sound didn't export right. And Yeah, the, the, that's you right. I forgot about if that. If you haven't seen that, it will like... There's... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the actual... That version of the trailer is still there, but there's like people's reactions to it. That should be still up. There's one in particular I really like. It's super funny. Um yeah, yeah, that one. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> that, yeah, that, um, yeah, that movie could have been at like at, could have been like I don't think I would have loved it more than this one. I'm like with you. This is probably one of my favorite movies. This or yeah. the second one, I I go back and forth between which I like more. I think this one maybe a tiny bit more, but like, uh. Yeah, that one could have been as good as this, and they, like, did it wrong. It just, it had so much potential. It had, it just yeah. just completely squandered it. Because they were shoving the whole trying to bring back, like, all these monster movies and, you know, digging into the archives, like, the whole dark universe. They were shoving that down our throats. Like, yeah. the first, just by the logo, the movie hadn't even started yet, and they were just hammering it in. And it's like... It's like, welcome to the dark universe. And yeah, it had so much potential. And I actually really loved the premise. I thought the premise was great. It was just everything else, which really shows how bad it is. The fact that the premise (laughs) was not the issue. It was just executed poorly. But let's get to the good mummy movie. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But before that, I actually have a really funny story uh, about the Tom Cruise mummy movie. Um, So... uh, you and I, we, we saw that in theaters and we talked about it on our, our radio show back when we still did that in Chico on Movie Reel before we did this Movie mm-hmm. Reel. Um, but my mom, she she had never seen it before and it just happened to be on TV the other night and it was probably like two nights ago. Uh, so I, I recorded it and uh, I, I watched it with her and probably a good 20 minutes into this movie and I've never seen her to this like like mad about a movie before because of <laughs> not, not because of like the like the story itself but because of tom cruise and and not just the actor his character his character everything that he does basically just causes every bad thing that happens in this movie like the death of his friend the moment releasing him being cursed everything is a direct result of his selfish actions and he does really nothing to remedy that other than being more selfish to save himself everything is a direct cause of his selfishness because he's basically a grave robber and it's like yeah oh wow okay that's <laughs> I, I i knew he was like bad but it's like it had been a while since i seen it's like oh wow i forgot how garbage of a character tom cruise had there was like i remember it was just hilarious watching that movie and it's like (laughs) with her because it got to a point where she was just rooting for the mummy (laughs) (laughs) it's like she's like and the part where 
Russell Crowe reveals that he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I could I could actually hear her eyes rolling in the back of her head. It, it was wasn't even that the he, most ridiculous thing. It wasn't even that the reveal. It was that he. It could have been like hinted at, like the fact that his name is Dr. Jekyll. That should have been enough. But no, no, they had to show him start transforming, and then Tom Cruise is witnessing this, and then we just move right along. And I'm like, are we just, are we just forgetting about that? What the hell? The whole movie was just. It was just so, yeah, so shitty. And they were, it could have been as, it could have been way better. And yeah, it has so much potential. But to me, that's like, that's the Tom Cruise mummy. And this is the mummy. This is the, I mean, this is actually a remake of the, the, yeah, of the, the original one from like the, uh, 20, I want to say 23. It's in the 20s. Because this movie is set in the 20s, and they were kind of trying to sort of pay homage to that movie. Well, I, I think the original movie came out in, like, the mid to late 30s, actually. Or 20s, and it, was just, yeah. and it just happened to be set during the 20s, because that was kind of, like, when... Ever, there, there, was, there was a very significant time period in, like, the 20s where, like, everybody just loved Egyptian stuff. And that was like only, mostly around yeah. the time when uh, King Tutankhamun's tomb had been uh, discovered, and pretty much everybody who was anybody was just buying or straight up looting and stealing uh, Egyptian artifacts and even whole mummies. There, there, there was even a thing in uh, like London high society where they would have mummy unwrapping parties where they would just take a mummy and then just unravel it. And that was just something that like the extremely wealthy would do because they just loved Ew. Egyptian stuff so much. That's a person. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I would get it, it, it if it, it was for, you know, historical, scientific, or even like, anthropological purposes but for like a social event that seems very uh disrespectful that's a human being yeah no it was just like a very like bougie like rich kind of thing it's like oh i'm so rich i can afford a mummy it was just kind of like bragging rights yeah which Uh, i can kind of understand but yeah at the same time like that's that's a weird flex but okay yeah there was a period of time where a lot of oh, oh like a, a lot of tombs and pharaohs and you know p- places were just being redis- were being rediscovered in the yeah. deserts of Egypt um yeah. and actually oh, yeah. and uh 1932 was when the original Oh okay okay yeah and um even in like our to the characters so uh Evelyn and Jonathan they're it originally they were supposed to be linked to there were so i can't remember his whole name but it's something carter he's the one that discovered king tut's tomb and he had lord uh carnivan with him and his wife was like lady evelyn and the only obviously this all got changed but the only evidence of that is in the movie 
uh, Evie says to Rick, like, my father was a famous explorer and my mother, yeah. you know, um, that all, it, it's that only, yeah, me. yeah, it's, it's only like mentioned like very through, through dialogue it's and like, like um, during like the library scene of like, oh, yeah, th- this is the only reason I put up with you is because your, your parents were like our like best benefactors of this museum. Yeah, they're, it, it's not, um, it, their, their background, why they're in, uh, for, well, not in the movie, their last name is Carnahan, but they're, uh, why the Carnahans are in Egypt and their love of it, especially Evie's, makes a lot of sense. Um, I was watching this and the more, even, actually, even with the second one, I was realizing we don't really know anything about Rick. He, when we meet him, he's with the French Foreign Legion uh, yep. fighting a war, which is a perfect way for us to introduce to this character yeah i mean it's not even really a war it, it was just pretty much just like a rain yeah, yeah yeah it was just like a random raiding party when they were in hominoptera uh yeah. where they just his entire garrison just like let's go see if we can find this place <laughs> like yeah, they, they weren't and, even ordered yeah. or anything like this wasn't like an official like like on the books like encampment or anything yeah. it was just let's just see if we can find this it would they all broke orders and just like unanimously decided like let's march through this desert find this place all right we found it this place sucks we're all getting slaughtered here yeah it doesn't go into a ton of detail it, he does say like when when he's leading them he's like it's there i've been there i promise you i've been there my i we were ordered to go like it's there and he knows it but there's not a whole ton of explanation on why other than the fact that his uh superior ordered them to um yeah. but it, yeah no he, he no he said that like they went they marched there without orders yeah they marched through libya and syria to go go there yeah yeah it's like okay that's commitment i guess yeah yeah <laughs> so this movie came out may 7th 1999 and it was directed by Stephen Sommers. And it, yeah, it starts Woo. Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, John Hanna, Obed Fair, and Arnold uh, Vuslu is the mummy, uh, the high priest. Emotep. <laughs> priest Emotep. Uh, the movie was so successful that it, the morning after the movie came out, Universal called the director and said, we need another one. Yeah. And... It went on to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Sound. Didn't win. Um, the When they put in a ride at Universal Studios, it was so popular. Like the line, and, and, and in LA and Florida, the line was just so, so long. And it has <laughs> been, I've only been to Universal Studios once. And I remember this was the one ride I really wanted to do. And honestly, I did not think it was that great. But I don't know. Maybe it if was, I went on again, it'd be really different. It was a fun ride. I, I feel like it was just yeah, too I'm, short of a ride. I mean, it's a it's a fairly fast paced like roller coaster, so I wasn't disappointed. It was really fun. It was kind of like, got like this like haunted house kind of vibe to it, which I really like. I just remember um, it was kind yeah, of yeah. I, I I've only been once too, yeah. and that was probably like six or seven years ago. So it might have changed uh, since I've gone. I I honestly don't know. Yeah, um, I but yeah. It, it was it was very fun. That's funny. I went, yeah, I was like, I think going into my like senior year of high school, it was like, yeah, like seven, six, seven years ago. Same. Um, oh, whoa, we were in the same place at the same time. That would have been funny. That would have been really, what month? 
if you do you remember if you remember i, I have <laughs> i have no idea it was summer yeah of 89 i have no idea <laughs> um and this movie was so it had audiences gave it uh on on rotten tomatoes so critics gave it a 60 percent audiences gave it a 75 percent and i'm pretty i think i'm okay with that rating i do think i i we both obviously really love this movie there are it's more i feel like as opposed to the plot there's more of these tiny details that the way the story is told and it's not it's not rushed or anything, but it is a fast paced, you know, action adventure movie. And there's a lot of these yeah. details where I realize watching it back, I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't it that doesn't really make sense. Or how did he get this thing? Like I feel like there's um a couple a couple of those kind of moments that for me I'm more like I was actually going back trying to like see if there wasn't <laughs> it like um but I'll get there in a second. Um, yeah, there the, the, there was actually like I, I I remember trying to do this like a couple times when I'm watching it because I felt like I was either missing something or it like I blinked and I missed it kind of kind of thing because earlier on in the movie they says like oh if he ever gets resurrected he will bring about the ten plagues of Egypt and after a while you see like Jonathan like Kennedy's like oh this is my favorite plague like boils and sores and it's like and all the the water will turn red as if it were blood and it's like after a while i like tried counting everything that i guess counted as a plague and even if i just counted like some of the stuff that may not necessarily count like him just turning into a sandstorm i was like all right i only got to eight what were the other two eight i i I can wait so there's there's yeah uh everything bled the like fire rains from the sky uh, everything so so yeah it's yeah yeah when he first shows up like like immediately after he gets resurrected, a swarm of locusts show That's up. That's one. That then uh, he turns all the water to blood. Two. Fire fire rains from the sky. Yeah. Uh, he eclipses the sky. Yeah. Uh, then he just shoots a bunch of flies out of his mouth. So I guess that counts as five. Or one and a one and a half because we already kind of did that one know. yeah yeah i yeah, I, I, that I, felt, too. I felt like I, yeah i felt like i needed to split hairs for some of them otherwise there's no way i could have counted to 10 and even while doing that i still couldn't get to 10 yeah it definitely doesn't he they say he'll bring about the 10 plagues and they like, i will say the 10 plagues <laughs> he, maybe it's just it didn't get that far because isn't one of the plagues isn't this goes isn't this go back to the the bible and that one of like the some of them? one of the plagues like uh the blood and i think the like fires i know that's part of it but isn't the one of them like the you know the first if you you have to smear so lamb's blood on your door and the yeah, firstborn like son was... it could have been like yeah it didn't really play it off like it's a race it kind of sort of towards the end was playing it like it's a race against time um but it was more just like oh no we got it it wasn't when he first arrived, it wasn't like as much, even though they, they do say it, we're running out of time. There doesn't, they didn't yeah. feel that sense of urgency other than we knew it. Like, yeah. Yeah. After he gets resurrected, it more or less just kind of feels like a, like an intense game of keep away because he only gets full power once he like kills the, the guys who all have the, like looted that, that all stole the, the canopic jars of Anaxa Namu. Yeah. Um, so, which also, I don't get why he would go after them and not the people who opened up his tomb. 
which was something I thought because was kind of weird. Wrote, because they wrote because they're the ones what? that unintentionally woke him up and brought him back. And they the other the Americans who are hilarious because they are just so overly American. <laughs> like they basically yeah, are just they're all they cowboys. There's literally the Western or like Southern one. He had more of like a Western accent. The Western one, the one yeah. with glasses, who was like, i.e. the air quotes, the sensitive one. Like he was the one that wasn't <laughs> intentionally getting into danger. I mean, or he wasn't um, like the ever all the other ones were just like having fun shooting. And he was doing that too. But like, for example, when they're fighting with Rick, Evie and uh, Jonathan about like a digging spot. And he sees that Evie has his tool, his tool set. He's like, hey, those are mine. And they put a gun to him. He's like, I was mistaken. Like, he's the one that's not. Yeah, it's like, perhaps I yeah, was mistaken. Yeah, he's not the one that initially tries to start things. Um, he's the yeah. air quotes sensitive one. But yeah, they all, they basically, and then there was just the other one. They basically just, the one of them, they're just yeah. practically not wearing like a red, white, and blue clothes. Um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, I, I also want to point out the 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 fourth guy that was kind of like in that group, the the Egyptologist with the uh, the fez and like the monocle. The way that he is dressed is basically like a direct comparison to how Boris Karloff dressed uh, for his character in the Mummy. He played the the titular character, the Mummy Imhotep, and he had um, a human disguise. Uh, I forget his actual name. I think he just called himself Prince Imhotep and no one actually knew the name of the mummy. It, it's been years since I've seen the original, but the way he dressed was like almost ex- identical to how um, the Egyptologist uh, dressed in the in this movie. And I just thought it was a really cool, uh, like most likely intentional Easter Probably. egg that they left That's there. cool. I didn't know that. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. Like, like it, it was the mainly like the fez that gave yeah, yeah. away because like no, no one else like wears that like no one in this entire wait the movie wears the, that. the curator guy that Evelyn works for wears that hat oh that's right that's right um yeah and then right. we find out he's part of the the magi though that he's like I don't know it's a, I didn't really think yeah. it was that's interesting I didn't know so I kind of thought was thought that was just the style I didn't really think that much that much of it um yeah. Yeah. And also, like, I, I didn't think that when I kind of like did like a little bit more research into this movie um, a, a while back, I, I learned that like the Magi were like actually a thing, but they weren't necessarily like like these like sworn, like super loyal, like bodyguards. They were more or less just kind of mercenaries for hire that were just regularly employed by pharaohs. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it was like they're like a super like deep seated, like very uh, like tight knit, like loyal group. They're pretty much just guns for hire back then that were just really badass for the most part. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. Which I just thought was like, yeah, I yeah, it's like I didn't think that they were actually real. It's like, oh, that's like a cool thing. Like, that's a cool name. It's like sounds it, it has like. It looks like it has like some like historical significance to something that existed in the past, and I'm kind of curious yeah. to see what it was. And it's like, oh, it's actually what they were called. It's like that's actually really cool and a really cool like attention to detail. Yeah, this is um, definitely. You don't really need to know. It's very set up. You don't need to know anything about ancient Egypt to no, like not it, at all. it. If if it's important, they supply the information. 
Um, they so actually when we when we first so the movie starts and the narrator of this is uh, Auded Fair who plays the one of the Magi uh, Ardeth Bay who I never uh, I didn't realize yep. we never hear his name. You don't know his name we, we until only the credits he- and we then only the sequel. He- yeah, yeah. Literally, that's the only time we ever hear his name. And because for 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 a while, I just called him like the med, like the main magi. Like I I didn't really know what to call him. He was just the magi. I didn't even think about that. But like, yeah, we don't know his name. And I feel like, unfortunately, it's just it, no one's. It, it's they it, they they're not. It's it. There's no. There wasn't really any issue of like you know that the guy they were with. It was just if anything, you would have just said the magi that they're that they work with um but when we start this movie yeah he's kind of narrating the beginning because and it makes sense why he's narrating the beginning because he is of the magi and their job they're like the pharaoh's bodyguards they're descended from pharaoh's bodyguards and they are guarding hominoptera to prevent emotet from being risen and the story starts in thebes which is this ancient egypt uh, and thebes the city of the living and the Emotep, the, who's the high priest to the pharaoh, he's in a forbidden relationship with the pharaoh's uh, mistress or mistress. Or, I don't know. They they play it more in the sequel. They say she was she's like his fiance or like she's gonna be his like wife. Yeah, she, she, yeah, his like yeah. B is which I, I was kind of like a weird thing. I guess she was just like his mistress. And she, like, like mistress was just like her like place yeah. holder like title until then. Yeah. Like I, I guess I didn't really like have like a word for fiance, so it's like yeah, she's like with him, but they're not married. So I guess mistress was like the official title. Yeah. That that's like the only thing I can think of that would kind of constitute that. Like, yeah. Making as much sense as possible. She is with she is with um, the pharaoh, and no one is allowed to touch her. And I gotta say, so the actress is Patricia uh, Velasquez, and. Her costume is a loincloth, a little bit of jewelry, but mostly body paint. And it apparently took like four hours yeah. to do, which sounds like a long time. Yeah, and it, it looks does. Amazing. It looks incredible. And I didn't even, I didn't even notice like it's on her legs too. And I'm like, I've never seen that because it, yeah. it looks like very from if you kind of are like from far away, it looks like that's cloth. But no, it's like. It looks, yeah, it looks incredible. But I realized, though, four hours, that is a long time. But hearing about, like, since then, we've had movies like like Deadpool or, like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, where a lot of the makeup a lot of these people have to wear takes. Or how the Grinch yeah, like Christmas. Yeah, a lot of this has to take, <laughs> like, hours and hours. So, I'm like, four hours sounds like yeah. nothing. Um, yeah. Um, I, I also quickly want to point out, in, like, the beginning of the um narration you kind of see like this like um this really cool like panning shot of like the sphinx and the pyramids of egypt and kind of like all the people kind of like running around um this was all cg and this was in like 1999 so this was back when like cg was brand new like this was kind of like right like more or less around the time uh jurassic park came out and released kind of like the industry standard for CG and that um, panning shot of just them doing all the like locations of like the pyramids and stuff that took them months mm-hmm. of uh, 
post-production after the movie was finished. I, I want to say it took them like four or five months just to get that shot to get it to look right. And it looks amazing. Like there, there are a couple times where like the CG looks kind of hokey and goofy in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, 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 like you see like um, Brendan Fraser like shadow fighting like a couple mummies that you can tell are clearly not there. But then there are times where it's like that looks amazing. The like the design, the, him turning into the uh, the mummy and just him uh, turning into like the sand storm and seeing his face and his hands in it. It's like that looks amazing. I want to see more of that. Yeah, I did notice. Um... The CGI, like in the beginning especially, the design is beautiful. Like, it looks good. But I did notice that when, like, there's the part where you see, like, when we're first introduced to Emotep and he's, like, looking out at everything, that's very obviously a green screen. It is a really beautiful yeah. background, but I was like, yeah, that's... Because he looked real and that didn't. But it wasn't like, you know, I was like, again, this is not a recent movie so i'm like whatever but it i yeah. didn't say i mean it, it yeah, still yeah, looks yeah, really yeah. good i've seen honestly. more recent stuff that's worse i'm like i yeah which it's like it, it which is kind of a shame that we're kind of like taking a step backwards technologically mm -hmm. of just throwing everything into a green screen and just hoping it looks good when most of the time now it just looks like a rubbery mess cgi is one of those like, weird like, things it's it doesn't really matter what if it doesn't look good then don't People yeah exactly and my kind of rule for it is if if it looks bad within like a couple of years once said when movie has come out that means it was never very good to begin with and if it looks decent after like 10 years then that's like it still looks pretty decent then to me that means it's really really good yeah, yeah and, and th this was kind of like something that I kind of like uh, picked up a little bit from watching the uh, Corridor Digital series, which you guys need to subscribe to them. They are phenomenal. The VFX Artist React series, they pretty much kind of talk about like how um, if CGI in a movie is bad, people notice it immediately. But when CGI is good, people almost don't notice it, which is... Like, there are times where, like, there are full characters in a scene that are completely CG, and people can't tell the difference. And it's like, that that is good CG. When people don't notice how good it is, and they think it's real, that's how you know that you've done a good job. And there are a couple moments in this, especially with, like, the, the sand effects, um, I think they did really well. Because particle effects, I feel like, is kind of hit or miss on how good you can make it. Like, water you can either make that look really good or really fake and just kind of make it look like a congealed mm -hmm. mess. And sand would probably kind of have like a similar effect. And whenever they kind of did like the sandstorm, like the huge sand, like wall chasing them, that looked really good. And you can kind of see like the ripple effects when like the bullets are passing through it when they're shooting it and it just looked amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I agree. Like, it's one of the, yeah, like I said, said it's one of those things. If it doesn't, if you can't do it right, don't do it. And I've, I've seen movies where it's like, it's just unnecessary. And I know that maybe it was like for the time they wanted to because it was cool, but it doesn't hold up, which I'm like, you know, you shouldn't have just, yeah. like, you didn't really need to do it. You could have just, you know. Um, exactly. But yeah, so this, uh, so yeah, um, 
Emotep is in a relationship with the Noxuna Moon, and because, and so they say, like, he's not, no one's supposed to touch her, and I always kind of assumed, oh, the whole, like, the, like, the character having all this makeup is a way to make it clear that no one can touch her, because if someone smears her body paint, that means they've been touching her, and they're not allowed to touch her, and Emotep is like has his hand on her arm and like it messes it up and this is how the pharaoh sees like someone's touched you and I was like they've been in this how long have they been in this relationship he has to know that he can't touch her or that if he touches her like puts his hand on her arm like that he's gonna smear it and someone's gonna notice it wasn't a big deal but I'm like that seems kind of like a uh rookie mistake and also just how, how does he not know that she didn't action accidentally oh, yeah. herself? Oh, uh, yeah. I fell. Like, if she accidentally, like, t- like, it's like, oh, like, my arm was itchy. It's like, ah, oh, crap, I smudged my non, like, my forbidden paint. Now, now, now he's going to think that yeah. I've done something bad. She just <laughs> starts just, rubbing paint on like, the walls. No... Like, oh, I, I, I tripped. I bumped into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, sorry, my arm was itchy. I got bit by a locust. That, that's a problem here. <laughs> we got those plagues, man. And, um, yeah, those plagues, man. Yeah. Uh, those plagues, man, they're wild. Uh, the, and then, um, so the pharaoh walks in. He sees an oxygen moon's body paint has been messed up. And then Emotep shows up with, like, a sword, a dagger, whatever, then an oxygen moon kills him, and then the pharaoh, the magi. Yeah, they just they just take and, turns and stabbing this the guy, hell out of him. The actor that's playing the pharaoh, he is, like, giving it all he's got. He's just, like, like his arms extended, it's very, like, theatrical, like, oh, you're killing, like, it's, it's, uh, it's very dramatic. <laughs> and the magi show up, and I kind of love, when they show up, the way they're walking and the way they're they're wearing like uh headpieces that are kind of moving with their steps and like the way they're holding their weapons it just looked very yeah it, it, it was it was kind of funny because it was like tr- look it looked like intimidating but like it also looked like just the way they were walking like with their head shaking it was very like <laughs> contemporary um yeah. and i thought it was kind of funny like like honestly like they're, they're like like the first like couple shots of like them like busting through the doors after like uh image of priest kind of like barred yeah. and like get him out of there um they they kind of just like walk in and just like all right if you like pause it it just looks like all right this looks like the most intense like cover band yeah. photo ever <laughs> <laughs> it's like all right these guys are about to drop a new album really so, soon yeah exactly um so when Oxina Moon kills herself because the only Emotep is the only one that can resurrect her because they're in love, I guess. And he and his uh, priests go to Hamanoptra, the city of the dead, and he's beginning to resurrect her and he does bring her back. But then the Magi intervene before he's able to complete the ritual and all of them are mummified and they're all given like the... I don't know. Is it all of them, or is it just Emotep that's given the? It, it's, it's just, just it's just Emotep. The, all, all of Emotep's priests get mummified alive, but he's hum, given the Humdai, which is like the, un, yeah, like the the un like basically like the unforgivable work, unforgivable curse. And it just why would you give someone a curse that would allow them if they are resurrected when apparently resurrection 
is a thing Thank if you don't you. want your this jewelry. This is what I was thinking. As 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 displayed by as displayed by Imhotep, like this is very this is a very like apparently easy thing to do. You just need to read from this very specific book. It's like why would you give this like condemned criminal who hates all of you and your entire like order and your way of life a way out. Yeah. The ability to resurrect uh to to like give him the 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 power of like the ten plagues of Egypt and basically make him immortal. It's like why would you even do that? Just mummify him alive, throw this some scarabs in it and call it yeah, a day. You don't need to go through like thinking. this whole like that's elaborate what I was curse thinking. thing. I'm like, that doesn't really make sense. So like I the only thing I can think of is that yeah, it's a horrible thing to put someone through as they're being mummified. And I think the idea is more it's going to be a horrible death. Like in the afterlife, it's going to be horrible. But yeah, it seems like you're you're doing all of this stuff, but there is a chance that if he does wake up, it, it didn't. Yeah, I agree. It didn't seem it seemed uh, unnecessary. Yeah, seriously. It just why, why, why would you like I get you want to punish him, but you can't, can't you just, just regular like... kill him? I don't know, like, just do, yeah, just, like, regular kill him, or just do, like, like, a torture, torture him to death or something, like, I get, I guess mummifying him alive, like, that's a fitting punishment, but, yeah, why, he, why the curse? after, uh, <laughs> Arnold, Arnold Vosloo, he did not, I can, I can only, I, I can't imagine, he did not like doing this scene. Oh, oh yeah. He he said that he was like getting. He was like very claustrophobic yeah, uh, yeah, about getting wrapped um, he, up. Wasn't but it, it also he's being wrapped up in like bandages, and that I feel like even, I would be like, I would have basically asked somebody like if I would I'd be like, um, like I know that this is all fake, but just in the off chance that they are trying to kill me, will you intervene? Like I would want someone offset just to like like another like a third party because that does look <laughs> that just like seemed that did look stressful and he did he did i mean i know that he's being mummified his character's being mummified alive but it looked it definitely looked stressful and i can i can only i I agree that does that doesn't sound good um and so yeah he's they're all mummified and if he wakes up he'll bring the 10 plagues of egypt and it'll be horrible and then we jump to it is 1923 humanoptra and french foreign legion and it's their superior runs away as he sees all of these uh, men on horses with swords yeah. coming at them. And, and also, then, like, we, it's never explained, like, who these, like, men on horses are, like, because they're yeah. clearly not Magi. No, 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 yeah, and uh, uh, Brendan Fraser, I guess he's just, I guess he is the second in command, because when he runs away, uh, his, like, he's got this, like, shitty rat sidekick i guess during this time who's like an asshole who oh, yeah. is throughout the benny. movie benny yeah yeah he, he's not a literal rat folks although that would be adorable um it's it, it just he's just kind of like this sniveling kind of like weaselly cowardly type who's just going to do whatever he can to save his own skin and it's like but it's clearly yeah and he's like looks at him as like i guess you're promoted and um no no, no the, the the guy runs away that, yeah, the guy ran away. It's like he just got promoted, and that like that's why he ran away. He couldn't handle command. Oh, I like, thought he was that, saying that, to that Brian was the Frazier, joke. "You've been com- promoted because our superior left, and you're the second command." That's how I 
Oh. No, no, they're like they're like both look at each other after seeing like the guy on horseback just like throw a sword and like run away and it's like it's like oh, they're okay. both look at each other it's like what and it's like Benny just shrugs his shoulders like he just got promoted it's like oh uh, maybe okay maybe that's what I I don't know why I think I yes I think I've always heard that and then this time for some reason that's not what I heard okay what, uh, <laughs> whatever anyway yeah. uh they're yeah they're fighting and obviously his entire his legions being wiped out and and Benny of course runs inside and leaves O'Connell out there to to die and like benny is just such yeah he's like this weak conniving little asshole the whole movie and the thing is rick o'connell he is he is tough and he is he he can be mean but he is a good person and even at the very very end he tries to help out benny and he can't and i actually realized i've noticed this before he always tries to help everyone and get everyone to safety. But at the same time, he first is going to help the people he cares about. And then second, he's not going to put an extra effort if they're not even. So like when they're trying to escape, uh, Emotep takes Evie and they're trying, they're escaping through like a manhole cover. And yeah, like the and he's, curator he's guy, to get everyone out. and the curator guy's fine. And he's like, come on. And he's not, he's like, okay, well, whatever. Like I, I feel like he did stop to help, and then he's like, he's not coming, so I'm just gonna. Yeah, he he also did the same for like one of the workers after Imhotep. Yeah, no, one of the just like the regular like like diggers that they they hired the scarabs. Uh, Yeah, he he, they're like running from like a bunch of scarabs, and this like worker like falls over, and he like kind of like turns around and like takes like a couple steps towards him until he realizes that's too late, and the the scarabs have already swarmed and and have already ate him and Which, he, he does this like a couple more times it's like yeah he's just like a genuinely like good character who's trying to do what he can to save who he can he just isn't always successful I which appre- is, yeah and I, that, I, yeah that's a really cool character trait and i appreciate that especially because he does clearly come from like some sort of military background he understands that sometimes you can't save everybody there's no point in a feeling bad about it he did he did what he could as and as well as um you know he yeah, he makes he makes the effort and but if it's it's i don't know i just i really appreciated it i found that very like uh refreshing as opposed to not that this is a bad trait but usually it's they they go over out of their way to save everybody which is again not a yeah. bad trait and that's a trait that i have a ton of respect for this is just a a i feel like a a little bit of a more human level trait because i i I just found it again and i'm not i'm not trying to shit on someone being overly (laughs) loyal because that's another trait that i always really love in heroes i just really love his trait because it's it's very military style like he has a code and whatnot but he can't always help everybody yeah i also just really like the fact that they do like illustrate that he is doing what he can to save everyone but at the same time showing that he isn't always successful he is flawed because he isn't always there on time to Mm -hmm. save everyone it's like that's a really cool trait that they do like just very subtly show that he is a flawed character by not being like the very best like you do see him like get beat up like a fair amount i he's able to take a punch though yeah um but but he's able to dish it right back and 
just a little bit harder. Like when they're they're being attacked by the Magi on the the barge, he gets like jumped by like one of the Magi and is just getting like wailed on for a while. And just like the last minute, he's able to just like break the like the chokehold that the the Magi has on him and just starts going, just wailing on him, just headbutting him, and just flying all these fists at him, and just eventually like takes him down. It's like, yeah. okay, that's like, that's really cool that he's able to just like, he's able to like hold his own in a fight while at the same time get his ass kicked in a way that won't like hinder him in the fight later on. Yeah. Um, he is definitely a guy who has been through stuff and he has, he, he, he's just more like he, it's, it's clearly, he's not like a hero that stumbled onto this. Like, and again, I'm not that he's been through this situation before, but he, uh, he has a background that definitely comes in handy and supports what he does throughout the movie. Um, and I want to bring up, so Brendan Fraser was, I've heard it's rumored. I've heard it's true. I don't know, but apparently Brendan Fraser, so almost was not Rick O'Connell. Uh, I've heard Leonardo DiCaprio was almost Rick. And apparently, first of all, I'm no offense. I'm kind of glad it wasn't. <laughs> it would have been a very different movie. But then again, I also kind of yeah. like the idea because Leonardo DiCaprio didn't really do a lot of... He, he's never really done these kind of movies, so it would have been fun to see him in this element. But he also, yeah. by that point, by in like the 90s, this is he's still heart, hardcore heartthrob. So I just think it would have been a yeah, very he- different movie. Yeah, I, I feel like it's also kind of hard kind of picturing him doing some of the stunts that Brendan Fraser kind of does. Like, you see him, like, give a, give this movie his all. Like, you see him dolphin diving pegged. over pillars. He, yeah. he, he almost dies yes. on the set because his, like, support, like, system during, like, this, like, new scene, like, basically snap. Okay, so the way this happens, he's getting hanged in this prison because of reasons that are funny that they didn't explain he just wanted to have a good time he was just looking for a good time that's all we know that's that's literally the only reason this movie gives us like yeah apparently he had too good of a time so they they go to hang him even though apparently he's only been in jail for a couple of days um so so they hang him and the way this happened is they they put like a like a like a back like harness behind him uh, that was supposed to like support his weight when the uh, noose dropped him, so it wouldn't actually strangle him. So what happened was when he fell, uh, the actual force of his body falling and then coming to a sudden stop snapped the like the like basically like snapped the brace off from the actual noose, um, which but it prevented him from snapping his neck. But in the process, he was actually being hung to death and. Um, it, it like severely like injured like his neck. Um, Holy shit. I, I knew but, that, yeah, like he, that scene, he, but the yeah. brace, the brace of so the brace didn't do his whole job, but if it wasn't there, he would have broken his neck. Oh yeah. Oh or, my God. At the, ver- at the very, le- at the very least, like severely injured his spine. Holy shit. Oh um, damn. Yeah. So it, it, in a way it did like half of its job. Um, but he just, he fell like, like way too fast for the thing to actually support his weight coming to a sudden stop like that. 
Um, so it snapped and he hung himself. I forget how long he was actually there because they just like, oh man, he's, this is really good. He's really, act- he actually is like, it's like, cause they eventually cut him down after hanging him for like a couple of, like, I want to say like a couple of minutes and he was unconscious. So they, they had a, yeah. they had a like get like the, like the onsite doctor to check him out. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> like when they actually confirmed that it's like, Oh shit. He actually has like bruising like on his neck. Like he was actually almost hung to death on our movie. We almost killed the actor. Rachel Weiss, uh said it was pretty. Yeah. She's like, yeah, he was not breathing. It was that's, Oh God, I can't even imagine witnessing that being like, yeah, being like, yeah, wow, he's doing a great job. Oh no, no, he's actually being hung. He's being strangled right now. That's, that is, damn. He got this role (laughs) from the success of another movie that I grew up watching and love, George of the Jungle, which came out like two years before this. And I guess the director was looking for someone. He said he fit the, he totally fit the bill of like the swashbuckling type of character but he he wanted someone that wasn't taking himself too seriously because then he didn't think the audience would really go with and i'm like yeah i never really thought about that but yeah he he kind of is he's taking he's just barely giving it the right amount of seriousness he's a guys in the beginning he's finding this all really hard to believe and even it's not even until the first plague where they're not the first plague, but when they're drinking the blood, does he fully realize, Oh shit, this is actually. It, it, yeah. It's like, it, it, yeah. Cause for a while, he sees, like, he he sees saying, the, like, cause he shoots Emotep when he first sees him, but he's convinced yeah, he got him. Yeah. It's like, I got him. Like no one can survive a shotgun shell at point blank range to the hip. Cause he just kind of like shoots him, like kind of like in like the sternum. Yeah. Um, and, there was actually like one like funny fact that I kind of want to point out is um, when after they resurrect Imhotep and they all run to the 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 tomb and they all kind of get separated, uh, Imhotep like corners one of the uh, the Americans and it's the the guy with the glasses and he removes his eyes and his tongue so he can see and speak because his tongue was cut out and his eyes have since been eaten and eroded after being trapped for 3,000 years. Um, but when he first looks at Evie, um, since he stole the eyes from the guy with the worst eyesight, he thinks that he's seeing a nox in a mool. And I thought that was a really cool reason as to explain why this woman, who doesn't look like a nox in a mool oh. at all, thinks that it's her because the eyes that he picked were the worst possible ones he could have got. Oh my god, I didn't think about that oh my god that is a really good point i did not think about that at all yeah that's just like such a like a random and weird detail that i'd never really thought about until it's like wait so if he stole someone's eyes that were really poor eyesight because he he has like the classic like oh i dropped my glasses i can't see anything he has like the classic like velma jinkies moment <laughs> my glasses um, yeah and and so and and so of course someone steps on his glasses and it's like oh i can't see anything so he's just kind of like feeling the walls to to walk around and then imhotep stole his eyes he has the same worse eyesight as that man so naturally he's going to see what he thinks he's seeing and it's 
hey, there's this attractive woman with long black hair, like my girl. That's my girl. All right. That's my girl now. That's that. You can't change my mind now. So, um, I want to point this out because when we first, so he, he is chosen, he chooses Evie to be his sacrifice, his human sacrifice, so he can complete the ritual and bring Anoxuna Moon back. But yes. what I realized, he had, that means he had to have had a human sacrifice the first time around, which we don't see. Yeah. And he is about to, like, we see with the dagger, he barely brings Anoxuna Moon back. He has the dagger. He's like, ah! And then the Magi step in. And I'm like, so is he going to kill a person? Kill a girl? We don't see this. Yeah, we don't, there's there's no one else on the altar except for Anoxuna Moon. So it looks body. like he's about to so kill like, her. Wait, is he... <laughs> So wait, he's gonna he's gonna sacrifice her to resurrect her? Yeah, I, I I didn't understand that either with the the whole human sacrifice thing. I I can understand like, oh, he's going to use Evie's body as like the the, the I thought that yeah for a as, or like the, or, or like, like no. yeah or like the vessel yeah. for for her. But yeah, it made no sense. I thought that for a second, and then I realized yeah that doesn't make sense because yeah, the first time he attempted this, it was her body, and she came back. Yeah, it um. I'm assuming, yeah, I, I would have, I want to say he has one and we just didn't see it, but no, we, there's nowhere, we see the whole room. There's no way we would have missed a person. Um, yeah. But that was something I noticed. And that was one of those things that like, I, I, I think, I don't know if I've noticed that in the past or it was just this, this time through that I, did I notice that? But um, anyway, so. Yeah, so, okay, so Rick is literally about to be killed, like, executioner style from all these uh, guys on horses about to kill him, and then they run away because they're on cursed land and they flip out, and Rick, and then the sand kind of just jumps out at him, and he runs into the desert, and we see the Magi watching him, and they're gonna, like, and they're like, no, we'll just let the desert kill him, and then three years later, when he travels back to Hamanoptera, with Jonathan and Evie, this and the same same Magi and Ardent Bay says on the on the same mountain. Yeah, because that's where they are posted. Fine, but they go, oh, he's this one's like strong willed, or this one is whatever. And I'm like, how can you possibly see what he looks like? How can you possibly know that that's him? Even the yeah, first time, I, I, well, the first time it was just, oh, we don't need to kill him. The death is gonna gonna kill him. Yeah, it, it was just like a random nobody. But the second time, like, how could like you possibly an, a, see like him? Like an unarmed soldier. And it was dark. Like, it would make sense. And it was dark, too. Like, like yeah. It, yeah, like, it would make sense if, like, you see, like, one of them, like, putting down, like, a like a spyglass or, like, binoculars or something. Yeah. Like, some, like, indication that they could, like, easily identify it, even if we don't directly see them looking through yeah. it. But, yeah, it made no sense on how he knew that it was the same character when they are so like far away. miles, miles apart away. from each yeah. other like there that's like i can tell that there's a person on a camel on that sand dune over there i can't tell who it is i can't tell their gender i can't tell their ethnicity all i can see is that it is a person on a camel yeah so it's like how 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 do you know that it is the exact same person and we then jump forward three years and we're introduced to evelyn who's rachel vice and she's a librarian who really wants to she she wants to join the Bembridge scholars but they keep consistently uh turning her down because she doesn't have enough experience in the in the she, field and 
in the yeah. beginning of the next movie, uh, she even says, the Bembridge scholars have been begging me to run the British Museum. And I'm like, aw, that's <laughs> nice. You got your experience. Um, but uh, Yeah, I'm on the up yeah, and up. But uh, this scene, she's putting books away. And she's on a ladder I in this, this, in this, so in this library and she's trying to reach across. There is, she's not going to make it. Her arm is not long enough. The shelf is too far away. She's very high up on this ladder. It is not smart or safe. And she goes, <laughs> the ladder, she pushes, pushes the ladder actually straight up and lands on the bookcases and they all come tumbling down domino style. And this was in one take because it would have taken forever to set this all back up. I I heard that it was that they had to do it in two takes and it took like 18 hours to prep it again. Wait, really? I thought it was, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they wanted it to be one take. I heard it was, it had to be one take because yeah. it would have been such a bitch to start yeah. over. Oh, and uh, a funny thing about this is that there, there are a couple like shots where you see like um, the ladder standing straight up and the stunt double that they have for evie doing that just to balance the ladder uh is a man oh. <laughs> wearing evie's clothes I know that <laughs> um yeah there's a part i don't know if it's a stunt double but uh when the boat when they're on the nile the boat and they jump off rick jumps off and he lands in the water i'm pretty sure it's not him because it doesn't i mean it could be him it just doesn't look like him. It's just for a second, but I'm like, I don't think that's Brendan Fraser's face. It's just for a second. But um, I mean, yeah. yeah and probably. then we meet uh Jonathan, who's Jonathan's brother, who's the drunk, and he or he's like a light. He's tipsy when we meet him. I didn't know that he was always drunk in this scene. I just thought he was. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, he's he's, he's super drunk. And this was uh, this was also the last scene of the movie that the or. The yeah, this was the very last scene of the movie that they filmed. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that either. Um, but yeah. uh, this is when we yeah meet him, and he's like he basically just he loves gold and treasure, and he has uh this key that has a map to Hamanaptra, and they show it to the curator, who we find out later, like we said, he's part of the Magi, so he doesn't, of course, want them to find Hamanaptra, but he's putting it closer and closer to a candle as if he's going to look at it and then it catches on fire and looking back I'm like it's very it's like it's so obvious he's trying to burn it it's so it's so intentional and his like overacting of selling it just makes it so much better when you find out that he did do it on purpose after you rewatch it because it's like oh my goodness like he he just doesn't care that he just burned this like potentially priceless artifact yeah (laughs) <laughs> and I guess Jonathan like, has done this before because he wants just, you know, treasure and he keeps bringing stuff that he thinks is going to be worth something. And then this time he actually brought something that's worth something. And he said that he found it on some dig, but then it's the next scene there's because the uh, map has been burned. They go to the person who had it before Jonathan, who Jonathan took it from and it's Rick and he's in jail. And I, so I guess he got arrested just after uh, Jonathan took it from him. I kind of, I yeah. realize though, it's not that crucial, but do you think we could have benefited from a scene where we see Rick finding this? Or, because I'm guessing he had to have found it before the first scene we meet him in. He had to have I, had I it on his person that by that point. Just- 
I, I kind of just assumed like this was like the catalyst that had his entire garrison go there because like hey we found this map like this thing has to be real and that's what convinced an entire garrison to go without orders to see if they can find this place i just assumed that he just like somehow managed to get it to keep it like during the battle okay uh, okay and kept it with him after leaving hominoptera okay okay because i was wondering i'm like if he has it well why does he have it and i okay that that's a good i can accept that that's acceptable um yeah. and so yeah they go this is what we free out first uh brendan fraser and they they all meet rick and evie and jonathan all meet and he uh as the prison guy i don't i don't know the, the guy who runs the prison says like i asked him why he's here and he just said he was just looking for a good time we have no idea why he's in jail and <laughs> he yeah but it's such a funny yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's kind of perfect we don't really need to know um but they they basically they don't know if he's aware of what he had so they're trying oh we found your puzzle book and we've come to ask you about it and he's like oh no you're here to ask me about hominoptera and they're like wait what how, how do you know and he's like because that's where i found it that's or actually he said that's where he that's where he found it he was there so it, it was just buried in the sand that's what i didn't think yeah there's a <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I found the map to this place at the place where it tells you to go. Like that's a that's a fun place to do. that's a fun place to find a map. I mean, I get why the map would like, be there because they don't want people to find it. Yeah. Um. But I yeah. And it would also make sense that the key for like the books that are there would also be buried there as well. Yeah, as opposed to it being like a whole like a scavenger hunt. Like, I mean, it kind of turns into one, but it's there it's just they gotta find it yeah. at hominoptera but that was my thing i see that was why i'm like wait so he found it there so i'm guessing he had to have found it when they got there before that first scene because it didn't really and i was kind of thinking at first i'm like do we need to see a scene of him of jonathan stealing it from him no but do we need to see a scene of him not necessarily of him finding it and i'm like again no it just it makes sense why he has it. I'm just more like, what, why exactly does he have it? Not just location wise, but um, regardless, he basically says, well, he, he's trying to, Evie's asking me, actually, he realizes Jonathan's the one that took it from him and he punches him. And then Evie just steps over Jonathan <laughs> to keep asking him questions. <laughs> and um, she's like, can you tell me how to get there? And, he basically grabs her and kisses her and says, like, you know, get me out of here. I'm like, he'll he'll take her. And this was the hanging scene. And uh, yeah. she is trying to, like, offer the guy money. She, she's trying to, get to him. yeah. Yeah, she's trying to negotiate with the, the warden. And the warden is really stupid. And, and he's yeah. like, she's like, 10% of what, whatever we find, like, 10%. He's like, 30, uh, 50%, 40, 30 and he go, and he says twenty five, and she's like, ah, deal. It's like you're yeah. stupid. She he lowball he lowballs himself in his own negotiation. And, but he did like the like he like like the very like with the, the gesture of his hand like twenty five, like that's final. And she's like, ah, deal. And he realized I'm an idiot, and then cuts him down. And then um, yeah. So I want to make note that this was sh I don't think I did I say already where it was shot. It was shot in a couple different places. Uh. Arizona, England, and Morocco. They couldn't shoot in Egypt because it, I guess, unstable political conditions. That's what I saw read. And yeah, 
the, I don't know. There, there were a couple. No, oh, I mean, no, like, I don't ahead. know where Arizona. I don't know what scenes in particular they were shooting at Arizona, but England. It was uh, the port, so when they're leaving for the trip, and the Nile, air quotes the Nile, like all of that was in England. Yeah. Morocco was, I think, the desert, and apparently. Um, I read this was on IMDb. Apparently, the production had the entire support of the Moroccan army, and the <laughs> cast and the cast had kidnapping insurance taken out on That's them. That's right. And yes, the director didn't, didn't tell, tell them this until after. Which good because I'm assuming it wasn't horrible conditions because they all came back but the fact that (laughs) there was the director had concern that I have a bunch of white people out here I might want to get kidnapped which I didn't even know that's a thing kidnapping insurance well I think it was just kind of like an extension of like a life insurance policy for like that movies have to take that involve like potentially dangerous stunts and i think it was just yeah. some like weird extension to that that was just very like location specific for them um but yeah i do remember that i remember watching this on amc and they were just randomly throughout the movie they were just putting up like random blips and facts throughout it yeah and yeah that was yeah. one of them that popped up it's like he put out like an extensive life insurance policy on the entire cast and didn't tell them <laughs> I mean, damn. Like, it's like, yeah, that is, that's funny. That is AMC, hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. AMC is how I saw this too. I think I actually saw the second one first. I, yeah, I think and, I saw the second one first. Or I saw first. parts of the second one. Because what happened was, I like I said, my sister and I grew up watching George of the Jungle. And then uh, the third mummy. And which I didn't know that was the third mummy. I just thought this was a mummy movie. Uh, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. That oh, okay. One. And like, wait, and uh, Journey Journey to the Center of the Earth. Both of those came out kind of. They came out within the same year. I think they came out like around the same time. And my sister's like, "Hey, it's that guy from George of the Jungle." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's funny." And then I think we came across the Mummy movies, and I think I saw I saw them out of order. I saw the second one first, and then or I saw parts of the second one, and then I saw like I think I saw parts of the first one, and then I remember for my birthday that year, that was my 13th birthday, and I asked for the Mummy movies, and I really just wanted this. I wanted all of them, but I wanted the second one in particular because that one I go back and forth, which is my favorite, the first or the second. But I got my friend got me the first one, and my parents got me the third one. <laughs> I'm like, I just really wanted the second one. The third one is. I mean, it's fun, but it's really bad. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't need to happen. Well, it, it, at least at least it. it's not Tom Cruise mummy bad. No, that that one was <laughs> that one's pretty. That's way worse. Um, I, like, I like how there's just a scale system of worse good to bad mummy movies, and that's at the the low end. Um, I mean, yeah, but it was pretty bad. So, uh, um, they end up yeah going. They're traveling down the Nile, and they're on this boat, and we kind of find out really why Evie wants to go to Hamanoptra, because I guess she is looking for the Book of Amun-Ra, which is the Book of Life, and it's made out entirely out of gold. Um, well, actually, I love this dialogue between them, because he, uh, he's not really uh, a... Rick's not necessarily a treasure seeker, but he is... He's... 
like Jonathan more cares about treasure and whereas Evie more cares about artifacts and Rick's kind of somewhere in the middle. He's not really for or against it. Um, but at this scene, she's saying like, I've been looking for this book. I, I, it's why I came here. It's a life pursuit of mine. And he says, Oh, and, and the fact that it's made out of pure gold, you don't really care about. Yeah. It means nothing to you. You, and she's like, you know your history. And he's like, I know my treasure. And the, the thing is, he's not that into treasure. It, like, Jonathan is the one in the group. It, it, it is kind of a cliche, like, you got the heroic one, you got the smart one, and you got the the sidekick who does unintentionally help them along the way. Like, he, like Jonathan has knowledge that does, he does know how to read and write ancient uh, Egyptian, Egyptian, but not to the degree... Yeah of uh evie yeah but, like he, he's a, he's able to like read yeah. the inscription on the the book of Ra or i, I forget the amun Ra. Yeah. there we go um yeah he's able to read that and more or less kind of like come up with like a clutch win at the very end because yeah and it, like in the second one he has the scepter that he has the scepter the whole time that we then learn that is what's going to defeat the scorpion king like he yeah he, I mean, like, they're, they each are, like, like, but like I said, Rick is kind of just in the middle. He does have some knowledge. Uh, Jonathan probably has a little bit more knowledge than him when it comes to ancient Egypt, but Rick isn't, like, obsessed with treasure to the yeah, degree he, that he, Jonathan he, is. Yeah, he he's definitely, like, the... But he like did the, view the, it yeah. as treasure, the book, as treasure, not as an artifact, the way evie does which i find is kind of interesting yeah it's an interesting contrast between their characters and this is when we find but actually before then while we're on the boat there are a group of americans we've we've already described who are also looking for hominoptera and they say that they have somebody with them who's who's been there and it's benny who like i can you know what like after what benny did like Rick immediately wants to kill him. Yeah, it's like, and well, he's if like, it ain't oh, my buddy Benny. Yeah, and he's like, oh, so what? You're going to just leave them out to there to rot? And he's like, no, they paid me half, so I have to go the whole way to get the full payment. And he ends up just, you know, throwing him overboard. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the least he deserves. We then, the, also the, the Magi, I guess, sneak aboard the ship. We see them, like, rowing towards the boat. Yeah, and, and one of them has a, a hook for a hand, and he's curved as hook. And this is, uh, okay, so this scene, Evie is so becoming transfixed with, because she asks Rick, like, why did you kiss me? And he's like, I mean, I was about to die. Seemed like a good idea at the time, which I feel like, like is such a dude a, answer. Like, that's a, yeah, in my, yeah, like coming from a guy, like, that's, that's, a, that's a fine answer. I accept that. I, I don't think that that's, you know, he doesn't know her. He just. She is pretty. He thinks he's about to die. You, I mean, you shouldn't kiss someone that doesn't want to without their consent. But she is also so becoming transfixed with him, especially because of when we first, it's funny because he, she's uh, on the way to the port. She's like, he's rude and a complete scoundrel. I don't like him one bit. And he also had his long hair and he looked crazy. And then he shows up and his hair is shorter and slicked back and he's, you know hot now and she's like oh yeah he, he's like all clean shaven and it's like oh uh, <laughs> yes he's he's a total scoundrel and then like as she's like kind of like getting ready she's like 
super distracted. She's like <laughs> kind of like reading and then like mumbles and then she's like dropping her book and uh, her like clothes on her hanger and her brush and just being a super klutz and then eventually just like slams her books like oh get a hold of yourself it wasn't that good of a kiss like she's so transfixed by this guy and the kiss and this is when the hook guy i don't he just sneaks into his room her room very quietly asking where the key is and rick so rick after she leaves to go to bed he sees wet footsteps i'm just surprised he was talking to benny i guess when they snuck on i'm kind of surprised no one noticed this i mean it must have been that very quiet i don't know but um I mean, they're wearing all black. That's the sneakiest of all colors. <laughs> it, it makes you it makes you quiet. And, yes, and yeah. it, it's scientifically proven that if you wear all black, that you will be undetectable. And if you wear all red, you will be the fastest person because red is the fastest color and black is the sneakiest color. This is science. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so this is yeah. So uh, Rick saves Evie, and then. and there's the scene i guess they added this right like a couple days before they shot it it was rick is putting like you know uh refilling his gun and bullets are shooting like lining the wall just next to him and then evie pulls him out of the way just as the last one's about to hit him and i guess jonathan goes looking in evie's room for her and he the guy is set on fire the hook guy is set on fire he reaches for the uh, Jonathan reaches for the key and then the hook guy gets it and then later when he jumps overboard he's like about or he's about to fight Jonathan he's about to come after Jonathan because he's the reason he got set on fire because he bumped yeah. him and the Americans shoot him yes, and like, then shoot he suddenly, like eight times <laughs> and then Jonathan suddenly has the key and I kept going backwards because I'm like wait a minute did he he didn't get it in the room. I think he. I, he, I, I, like, think, I, I think he. Yeah, he he picked it up off the ground like after he, no, they he, shot the guy. Well, okay, because I think we didn't see that. He had that's probably yeah. where he got it, but we just see he didn't have it, and then he suddenly had it, and I'm like, it had to have been this scene, but it didn't show it, and I was like, wait, he has it? Okay, and um, yeah, so they all go overboard, and I guess uh. Evie's wearing her white nightgown, and apparently it was see-through when it was wet, and they had to digitally paint it white to keep the PG-13 rating. Oh, I didn't even notice that. And this is, uh, I mean... I just thought it was, like, really thick, like, uh, like cloth, so that it wouldn't be see-through. I didn't even, I mean, I didn't think about it, honestly. I was just like, oh, she's wet. I didn't really think (laughs) it should be see-through or not. But, um, this... I one of my favorite jokes in the whole movie is Benny. Everybody on the boat is on the other side of. They're all on the other side of the river, and Rick, Evie, and Jonathan, and the warden who decides to go with them to get his, for his investment, are all on the other side. And Benny screams, and they're really far away. It's amazing that they're able to hear each other. But he's like, <laughs> "Hey." O'Connell, it looks to me like I got all the horses, and uh, hey, like, Benny, yeah. looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. But there's, you know that, um, oh, wow, let me find it. But you know that meme of like the guy, like I may not do this, but when I, let me find it because uh, the most interesting man, maybe, maybe, and it was like I may be on. It was like, I may have all the horses, but when I do, 
I'm on the wrong side of the river. And like, yeah, that, yeah. that doesn't make sense. Wouldn't it make more sense to say I may be on the wrong side of the river, but when I am, I have all the horses. Wouldn't that have made I, more I, sense? I, I don't know. I never plugged a meme into the mummy before, so I don't know where this, <laughs> this line of questioning is going. Uh, okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Um, it was just a funny line of dialogue. Yeah. I'd never put that much thought in, more into it. All right. Fair enough. Um, it wasn't <laughs> the dialogue. It was the meme that I thought didn't make sense. Okay. okay. That's what I meant. I, anyway. I, I have no idea. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so they um, set out the next day on camels through the desert to get to Hamanaptra. And I guess... It's, like, shown, like, the sun literally just barely at dawn. Literally, the city just appears. Yeah, it it, it was, like, like a, kind of like a mirage. Like, you kind of had, like, that, like, you know how, like, when you, like, look down a road when it's, like, really hot and you kind of see that, like, heat lines? Like, it just kind of, like, that shimmer effect? It was basically, yeah. like, the entire city was just covered by that shimmer effect, and it can only be seen during, like, the sunrise, and that's how they all were able to see it during the day and how they couldn't see it until that point. So they make a, uh, they make a bet with the Americans, with the other group that, you know, first one to the city, blah, blah, blah. And, and okay. Camels are better in the desert than horses. And so they are acting kind of, well, but Benny says, oh, Hey, Hey O'Connell, nice, nice camel. But he also was on a camel, so I don't really understand what the point of that burn was. But anyway, uh, I don't know. Anyway, and they're they're all racing, and Benny is using his whip and hitting O'Connell, who then just grabs him and throws him off his camel. And uh, it's like, yeah, serves you right. <laughs> and Evie as then takes the lead and gets to the first through Hamanatra, and I love this scene so much because. For her, this is like the her the biggest thing she has ever done in her life, and also consider it's the 1920s and she's a woman and all that stuff. But like, I I don't know. I love this scene because you know, even if like they didn't find anything, she, this still would have been like the best thing ever for her. Um, I want to do that so badly. Oh yeah, that would be amazing. I want to go to I want to go to Egypt. Did I want to ride a camel and have my and oh, I was, my Evie I was about to say you want to race a camel. No, I want to ride a camel and have my Evie Carnahan experience. That's anyway. Uh, <laughs> I want I want to race a camel against Brent Fraser to yeah. a deserted that's ruin. Specific, that's, that's, that's that's very specific. That's on my bucket list. Um, check. So, uh, um, yeah, they they they, they set up camp in, yeah. in Hamanaptra, and like the Americans have like it's like all of them, and they have like fifteen diggers. And they're all kind of like going through like kind of like the main like closed off entrance. And then we have like our like group and it's just uh, Rick, Evie, Jonathan and uh, the warden because he's there to like protect his investment because he wants to make sure he gets his 25 percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like setting up these like mirrors and like Rex asks like hey what like what are these for it's like oh it's like an ancient egyptian trick it captures the sunlight and it bounces off all the mirrors in the hallway so we can see where we're going and it's like oh that's actually like a really cool way to explain why 
they have like all these stage lights in there so that like there's actual like proper lighting in these uh, tunnels. But I remember them testing this exact same like lighting method on Mythbusters and it does kind of work. Like it doesn't light up the room like it, you, it does in the, the way, movie. It, yeah. it just more or less kind of like it, it more or less just kind of lights it up so like you can like see like where the walls are so you won't like bump into anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also need to adjust the mirrors like every few seconds because the sun moves. So you have to keep adjusting the angles of the mirrors so it keeps capturing the sunlight. Yeah. And they do, and you never see them do that. So it's like, okay, I guess suspension of disbelief. They just have someone on mirror duty just realigning the mirrors every five minutes. Mirror duty. <laughs> I was like, Jonathan, you're on mirror duty. He's like, I was on last time. Do it! I mean, Jonathan wasn't really doing anything. They were like, he was playing golf with like rocks at one point while they were digging. Yeah. That's that's how you live your life. Playing golf in a deserted ruin with rocks. Um, And they're, you know, they realize they're in a preparation room and they're walking around and they come across the Americans and their Americans are being jerks like, hey, this is our dig spot and blah, blah, blah. And Evie realizes like there's more to the room. There's place, there's somewhere underneath. So they decide to go somewhere else. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they, they decided to dig like directly under the statue that the Americans are at. It's like, Oh, we're just going to steal the prize, like right up from under them. And then they accidentally dig up. Uh, they accidentally knock down Imhotep's coffin that they or sarcophagus that they didn't even realize was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are about to open it. They realize we need a key. Oh, it's the key from the the hook man was talking about. And they're about to open it when they hear like the warden screaming. And so before he goes off like picking, he sees like these like uh, stone jewels on the wall and they're scarabs, which dig into humans and like crawl through them and like kill them, eat their brain. It's, it's, gross and and it's pretty hor- it's pretty horrible they they don't know what's going on they just see him running and he runs into a wall and he dies and that's it and they're more yeah. like shocked but they don't really they're like if they're a like they're shocked like oh my god what the hell was that but they don't really like him that much so they're not really affected by his death yeah like immediately like the next night after he dies, or I think it's that night or that like yeah, but yeah, the end yeah, of the day. yeah, like yeah. the end of that day. They they are rifling through his belongings and uh, like O'Connell, like t- like before that, O'Connell says like, "Hey, we weren't the only ones who had like misfortune. Uh, apparently, three of the diggers were like melted by like this pressurized salt acid booby trap uh, in one of the uh, one of the chambers that they were digging in, uh, and and you do see that happen. They're like trying to like." remove this slab with like a bunch of like these like crowbars and pry bars and a bunch of this salt just like like shoots out like immediately in their faces and they're it, it's kind of it's a really cool effect actually because it's for, from what i can tell it looks all practical like they just had um like just like all these like various like burns all over their um forearms and uh hands and face yeah. and it, it looked it looked really impressive i i was i was very uh surprised by the level of like brutality in that scene um but yeah they they rifle through his belongings and earlier on you see him put like a couple like the the scarab like casings like in his bag and jonathan like like 
he's like, ah, he, you hear him like yell because like, so, like something like bit him or something. And like, he freaks out and like, uh, Rick like grabs his gun and points it at the bag. And it's like, oh, it's like, it's an old bottle. And like the, the top of the bottle's like all chipped and cracked and they all start drinking and, and get sloshed. It's wine apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and this is when, uh, there's commotion at the other camp and the Bajaya showed up because they're, you know, beginning this dig where they don't want them to find Emotep. Yeah. And they basically, and they've been kind of at odds with the Americans. And after the and Ardeth Bay basically says, "You have to leave. Get out of here. You have one day." And this is when they decide to like kind of team up with the Americans. And I guess so. Everybody's fighting, and Evie like wants to be more of a fighter, I guess. And she like grabs a gun and starts like she like like screams and like shoots somebody and and um. Jonathan and Benny are both like and Benny <laughs> grabs the wine from Jonathan and starts drinking it. Yeah, <laughs> during this. it's just really funny because Jonathan's just kind of like chilling behind a pillar and just like drinking from the bottle and just like and shooting, like kind of yeah. very casually just shooting <laughs> the, the magi on a horseback, and then Benny just like runs up and just starts chugging it, and then they get uh, charged at by uh, Ardeth Bay. Um, uh, who then like starts fighting Rick and he pretty much puts like the entire fight to a standstill by lighting this very like comically large wick on a, a stick of dynamite. It's just like, all right, well, I guess this fight's over. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, then, th- yeah. yeah. And then later that night after like Evie, like he, he like, like Evie kind of like collects herself. She gets like drunk and is kind of like learning just like, punching and like boxing with um rick and it's like she kind of explains like her her family which we kind of talked about earlier um and then she says like oh like o'connell like i i want to kiss you and like as she like leans in to do that she immediately like passes out (laughs) which i thought was really funny because it it was like they had like the music it's like oh this is like like a very like touching and like romantic moment like they're actually like becoming closer together and then she's out (laughs) yeah he um the thing is she becomes transfixed with him earlier in the movie and he doesn't start to like kind of be more into her until uh so she loses all of her clothes during the raid on their ship and has to get new ones and she's wearing more like traditional like egyptian like woman uh like clothing with the dress and like the uh like veil covering part of her face yeah. and and that's kind of when he's just like oh becomes more like like attracted to her and then later they i really love them i think i think they're a really i love watching them they got good chemistry they're kind of adorable because they bring the best out of both and they each put something different on the table and uh it's and as the movie goes on, he gets way gets really protective of her, but it, it's it's and it's adorable and but it's also it's not just because like she can't take care of herself and she's not capable. He knows that it becomes more of no, he just cares about her and doesn't want her to get hurt. Yeah, and and um yeah, this is when that when she says like I'm not a treasure seeker or 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 i'm I'm not an adventurer i'm proud of what i am a librarian (laughs) and then 
Which she is. She is a yeah. librarian. I just, I, I just think it, it, it's just she. the way she announced that. It's like, I am a librarian. It's just really yeah. funny. So, uh, yeah, the next day they open. So they find Emotep's sarcophagus and the Americans find uh, the... This cursed chest. What? Which? What are? What are those things called? I forget what they're uh, called. They're canopic jars. Okay. Yeah, they're they're, they're, ba- to... they're they're basically like jars that they put like your vital organs in uh, when yeah. you die for like a ceremonial death. I had to in in sixth grade. Uh, we were talking about ancient Egypt, and I had to mummify a piece of chicken. And like, not like, not like I had to like take out their organs. I had to, uh, like a piece of chicken, like I had to, um, mummify it and like, I had to wrap it in like, it wasn't bandages. It was like pieces of paper and glue and I, and had to make like a sarcophagus. And so I made those like things, those little things. I just didn't know what they, I forgot what they were called. Yeah. They're they're like canopic jars or something like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, later on, they just kind of call it like sacred jars, or yeah. like even Imhotep just says that. Um, but yeah, they they open it up and they find that like it's like wow, Imhotep's body he's like still decomposing after all this time, and he scratched something into the the roof of his coffin. Or sarco- I keep calling it a coffin into his sarcophagus <laughs> in ancient Egyptian yeah. that says death is only the beginning, and they realize with that and all of like the fingernail marks that he was buried and they're alive. And they later confirm this again for themselves when they find a bunch of scarab skeletons and they just kind of explain what scarabs can do to you. Um, and meanwhile, the Americans, uh, like as soon as they pull out the chest, like all the workers freak out and they all leave. And eventually so does Benny. Uh, Cause the Egyptologists are reading like, death will befall under anyone who opens this chest and of course they open it and in it is the book of the dead and the Egyptologist is super excited because this is this is an amazing find yeah uh and then like the americans are pissed like oh we don't we don't care about a book like where's the gold where's the treasure and they one of them kicks a box and then they find the the jars like all right yeah there's there's a bunch of jars there's one for each of us all right (laughs) Yeah, that's so, why. So that's why Emotep goes after them because they have uh, an Anaximandros' so, organs. <laughs> yeah, they have his organs and they have the jars. That's what. No, no, no. These are for Anaximandros. Anaximandros. Okay, well, that's Anax. Well, yeah. they 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 opened it. They have something that he needs, but they he doesn't. He's not as interested. He's interested in Evie because that's his sacrifice. And Rick and Jonathan are trying to prevent him from sacrificing her, but he's not as interested in them because they didn't steal from him. They just they awoke uh, him. They, up. They, yeah, they awoke him. And Evie then she sees like the guys, the Egyptologist is trying to open the bo- open the book without the key, and she realizes she's like, oh, I think you need a key for that book. And then later when he's asleep, he takes it and. She takes it, opens it, and reads it, and wakes up Emotep. And this is when the Egyptologist is like, "No, you mustn't read from the book." And then the locusts come; they come, they all go running inside. But what I thought was weird: so they all go running inside. A couple of the workers die, and the Egyptologist is just sitting there. And I'm like, "What is it like? What is it like a devil's snare thing? If you don't move, they're no, not going to bug mean, you." Most- like. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess he was just kind of like like so freaked out with like what happened and he knew that it was like, well, there's no way I'm going to outrun this. I'm terrified. I He was just kind of like frozen with fear was okay. what I guess was the the reason behind that of him not wanting to to move um okay yeah but it, it was also like i was very surprised seeing like oh the locusts swarmed and ate the workers like locusts don't do that <laughs> it's like what <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> these must be magic locusts but then they left the egyptologist alone even though they're all swarming all over them and they're the actual real locusts are actually like crawling over all over this actor and it's like Oh, that's dedication, dude. I wouldn't do that. He apparently, it took forever because he couldn't keep a straight face with all of them just, like, crawling on him. I, I couldn't either. Yeah. I'd be, like, grimacing and cringing and just like, oh, there's a bunch of creepy crawlies all over me. And they all run inside and uh, they, and first of all, though, they lose the glasses guy who they, he falls and his glasses yeah. fall off and oh, then he steps on him. And then this part actually gets really... There's a lot in this movie of not of they were really great with the element of surprise and building up uh, Ark our first other than him first waking up our first real viewing of the mummy and yeah. he like hears someone and he doesn't and then he turns around and he thing is he's the one with the worst eyesight so I'm curious what he's seeing that made him scream so probably much. just like probably just like a gray blur and then nothing because his eyes get removed probably almost immediately yeah and uh evie rick and jonathan are kind of wandering around and then a bunch of scarabs break out from the ground they go running and uh evie ends up falling through this like false kind of trap, wall false, false wall yeah. and she sees the so that's it's Mr. Burns, that's that's the guy, yeah. the, Amer- the glasses American guy, and she sees him, and his eyes and tongue have been ripped out, and then she sees uh, the mummy, Tep- the mummy, yeah, and uh, yeah, he calls yeah. her Oxygen the Moon, and yeah, and and yeah, they 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 kind of go through like the whole like oh like this is like my one true love, like you're an Oxygen Moon, and then Rick and Jonathan are like trying to like find Evie, and they're like trying to kick and push on the the wall that they think she fell through and then the other two americans are like running by them it's like run you sons of bitches those scarabs are after us and they they run and uh we we said before like rick like tries to save one of the workers but he he can't because the worker is already dead and then they find the mummy and brick like immediately like shoots it i love this part (laughs) just because what the heck he's finally they find evie and he's like what are you playing hide and seek? Like, well, come on, we gotta go. And then he's like, "Whoa!" Like sees the mummy, and then the mummy like, "Ah!" Uh, like, like, yeah, it roars at him. him. And then Rick just does it back. He goes, "Ah!" And screams, <laughs> and then does it too. And he does this later in the movie too. And but uh, they yeah, he shoots him, and then they all run. And then the Magi are out there saying like, "We told you to leave, and you wouldn't, and now you've just woken up the mummy." And they all also get out there. Th- that is probably like the weakest "I told you so" moment ever. It's like we told you so. <laughs> like there were zero consequences. Like, all right, you just release like the like ultimate evil. We're gonna let you guys go. It's like, all right, sweet. <laughs> yeah, I love like, like in the yeah, I... in the second one where they keep they're making fun of a lot of the things that happened in this one, and they keep making fun of the whole like, oh, oh, the old wipe out the world ploy. Like, yeah. that old move. Like, 
It's like, oh, yeah. that's that's very original. Which like, I kind of liked that kind of like meta joke of yes, just like. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Um, um, but yeah, they they let him go, and uh, they they haven't found Benny, and Benny is like running through the like basically the, the catacombs, like trying to get out of there, and he stumbles upon Imhotep, and Imhotep just like slowly is like very menacingly like walking towards him, and Benny like keeps pulling out like all these different religious like symbols and yeah. starts like praying in different languages for each one trying to like i guess like appease him and get on his good side and he's like he pulls out like a, a like a cross and he pulls out like uh Something in, like, I, I i couldn't even i couldn't Buddha, even recognize like half of these uh but yeah he eventually like holds up like the star of david and then imitap like recognizes that language of hebrew like, ancient, yeah like hebrew and it's like oh it's the language of the slaves because basically like the jewish people were like slaves of the pharaohs um and it's like oh i like i can have use for you and it's like if you like work for me the reward will be great and he like holds out like a, a handful of like gold and jewels and it's like where are the other sacred jars and he holds like the one broken one that the americans loved and then it cuts to um uh, everyone, everyone leaving, yeah. and him just the the iconic uh, scene of just like him busting his hand through the yeah. the ground. So Rick uh, tries basically. There, he's saying, "Okay, well, you know what? I'm I'm not involved anymore. I, you guys hired me to take you out and bring you back. I've done that. We're done. I'm done." And he's trying to like get help. He's trying to get Evie to leave. Like this is not safe. You need to go. And she's like, "No, we gotta." We woke him up. We have to stop him. And he's just doesn't want to be involved anymore. And he goes to the bar and we meet Winston, who I guess was a pilot who really yeah, he, wished he, he died he, he was, in World War One. Yeah, he, he was a World War One pilot who's like really bitter of the fact that he didn't go out in a blaze of glory with his friends and his like really bummed out that it's like oh yeah i'm just spending all my time lavishing in booze and women's like uh and then he's like he's very clearly like drunk because he like walks through a fountain and it's just like oh some poor fool spilled their spilled their drink there <laughs> and he's just like very bitter with the fact that like this is his life now that like i was like oh like all i have in life is all of, all this like like alcohol and it's just he's he's a really funny character even though he's only in like a total of three scenes yeah and he is yeah yeah and there was he was he was entertaining and it, it was it was more funny that he wished it, it was supposed it was sad and it was funny because he like wished he was dead and later when they go get asked for his help and Rick's like, well, you probably won't live through it. He's like, really? You think so? <laughs> like, he just was so, he was just, we just not. And it's not like he hates his life. It's just that he, I think, wants to go out with a bang. He, he wants, he, he wants to go out like a Viking. He yes. wants to have like, he wants to go out and battle. Yes. And, and yeah. I, I mean, like, spoiler alert, he does eventually get his wish. And it, it's also really weird. He's like the character who gets like the least amount of development, but he gets like the most like honorable death in this movie yeah because like like they they eventually like crash and i guess like he like died in the crash like his heart either gave out or like the he like broke his neck in the crash and um the plane or like the main body of the plane starts sinking in quicksand and they have like this really like kind of like 
fitting like instrumental kind of music yeah, of as he sinks. It, yeah as it as he sinks and like o'connell like salutes him as he goes down and it's just like why is this character who has like the least amount of screen time getting like the most like respectable like respectful scene out of everyone in this movie yeah. i just thought it was really funny i mean i don't get me wrong i love winston and i wish that there was more of him yeah in this movie. i wish he was in the movie earlier but there wasn't really a reason for him to be in there earlier. No. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy with what I got. I just, I wish that there was more, but I can't think of a reason why he would be in there. Unless more. maybe, I don't know, like we had a scene with him and Rick, like, like at their, like, as they're like before the court or something that are they, I don't know. Like he's, he's getting a drink. They're at like a bar or something or some kind of watering hole. So if it was something yeah. like that and he just says like i don't know that it could have been something like that yeah it wouldn't have been like a big important scene but yeah uh this is when we meet winston and the americans everybody's basically taken off and they all come in here for a drink but they spit it out oh my god what's wrong with it it's it's blood it's blood and i do love this scene because rick drops the shot glass and then it's like blood and then Jonathan's reciting and the rivers ran red and were as blood and because it's the first play yeah. Emotep is there and we see him in uh Mr. Burns's room and he again this guy has his eyes and his tongue ripped out and he has bandages covering yeah. his eyes and Emotep basically comes so he can kill him and take yeah. the rest of his but, like stuff I I also just I really want to quickly just kind of like point out the absurdity and the unnecessary, like the unnecessary like points of this scene. So basically, why didn't do it in the first place? The, yeah, like the, the room is like the scene set up of like Mr. Burns is like having tea with Imhotep, who he like Benny is in the room with them, and he's like like basically like translating um, because apparently he can understand ancient Egyptian. Um, which was a thing that was kind of weird and never explained. Yeah. But anyway, he he's like saying oh, no, he's like, speaking. oh yeah, like please don't touch right. Prince Imhotep. He like it's a silly like super Eastern superstition. I'm afraid. It's like, does he not recognize that that's Benny's voice? Like this is a person that you know. Like how does he know like a prince? And why would there be a prince that wants to see him? Uh. And it, also, like the fact that Imhotep is like wearing a disguise. He's wearing like some like 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 a metal mask and is like wearing like these like like very like 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 Victor Von Doom kind of outfit. Yeah, like these like dark like uh like creepy robes. Like, wait, this guy is blind. Why are you wearing a disguise like right now? Like, I I understand you need a disguise to like get in there to not raise suspicion, even though you can just kind of teleport like a sand dune in there um it, it was just there's so many like weird absurdities of that scene of just like why go through all this trouble like no one can kill you you can just catch this guy he's blind and has no tongue you have those things i think i think i get um it's just it's just really weird a, i mean fair point i definitely i i agree mainly with um it would have made a little more sense if he did this the first time like take his eyes, tell his tongue, and then just like, you know, cause that, it, it, it could have been, the, it could have been the same kind of like fear of like, cause uh, Evie gets into that room and she's like, Oh, Mr. Burns, I'm, I'm just, I thought it was just getting scared. And then finds him dead. It would have been the same, like, Oh my God. Like it, it was, I agree with that. But um, 
I can, that's for the mask and the robe. The only thing I can think of is him getting in and maybe getting yeah. out. But uh, also, I, what I thought was weird is he takes his mask off and the guy screams. And it's like, you're blind. You can't know... Well, well he, he's also he's also freaking out because yeah. Benny just says like, "Oh, Prince Emotep would also like to thank you for your eyes and your tongue." But he also but he must finish the curse. So he's like, "No, please, no!" And then he starts screaming. No, I get that, but the so scream—it's like, it, it's a natural—it's a natural progression. I, I get like. that. I just thought the scream was like in sync for when when Emotep takes the mask off, as if he was screaming at his face, which I. I agree. Yeah, he's probably screaming because he's about to be killed, and and you know, I I fair enough, but it was yeah. more the timing of it, um, with the mask taking off seemed like he was screaming at his face. I mean, I feel like it was a pretty natural reaction that coincided very well with the actual. But I guess scene. he did. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't I, yeah, I didn't have any. Issue I guess he with did that. have to take the mask off to suck out the whatever from the guy. So. Yeah, I don't know. It just was the timing, but yeah, I agree. You, <laughs> yeah, he probably yeah. it was probably just the he screaming. It made sense. It was just the timing of it. But um, anyway, so yeah, Rick goes looking for Evie, and then this is when like fire is like raining down, and they and find and they find uh, Emotep starting to regenerate, and they see a dead Mister Burns, and who is just a husk of a. a- body now like yeah it's just like a very like like he looks like what a mummy should look like without the bandages yeah and um they uh all and then i just love everybody shows up and then there's a cat in the room and he freaks out and then they go to the museum curator and artif bay is there and they learn oh the curator is also part of the magi they're trying they you know we're trying to protect they didn't want the creature to wake up and now and i just love like rick's just like a uh, question why doesn't he like cats <laughs> like just the way yeah. he asked and he's like holding up like a finger yeah. like um uh and it's apparently because cats are the yeah. guardians of the underworld and he's not re- fully reformed yet so until he is he's not gonna he's gonna be afraid of them yeah. And yeah, which is like okay, that's a good reason. Yeah. Like I, kind of, I, I kind of like the fact that they did kind of give him a weakness that they can exploit right now yes. because they, they straight up just say that like, oh yeah, he's immortal. Like nothing can hurt him because it's 1920s. The only like, like thing that they have like direct access guns. to that could do any major damage are like machine guns and yeah. like all these guns, which they all clearly have and is having zero effect. So it's like okay, there's nothing that we can do to stop him if he just decides to jump us all at once. Like, there's there's literally nothing that they can do to stop that. So we need to have... I'm, I'm really glad that they did decide to give them some kind of defense or to protect themselves against Imhotep. Otherwise, this would have been an incredibly short yeah, movie. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And this is when Evie says... Uh, at Hamanoptera, he called me an Oxuna Moon, and just now he tried. So right before the cat, he tried to kiss Evie, and they say, "Oh, you're going to be his human sacrifice." And it's like, "Oh." Even though apparently that wasn't a needed thing earlier in the movie. And and what was he going to stab before he was just going to stab the air or yeah. or or I'm gonna, yeah? I'm going to I'm going to st- I'm going st- to stab Anoxuna Moon's corpse, and that's going to bring her back to life. And um. Uh, yeah. they all, this is when, yeah, he creates, I guess, an eclipse, another plague, and everything's dark, and they're basically, 
all sitting around trying to figure out like who opened that chest, like what's kind of what what do we do here? And Rick immediately yeah, takes, like we like we we got to do a head count of like who's left. Uh, Rick immediately takes charge and locks Evie in her room, and he like grabs one of the Americans. He's like, "This door stays locked. She doesn't go out. She doesn't come out, and no one goes in." Right? And he takes Jonathan. And Jonathan is just very... I love, actually, I love this part because he's throwing Evie in the room. And John, and she's like, Jonathan! And he's just like, oh, I mean, he's like big and like strong. Like, he is not at all. Your sister's being turned into a human sacrifice. And they're trying to protect her. <laughs> and like, he's no, just I'm gonna like, chill here. I mean, yeah, you should just go. <laughs> and then uh, Rick's <laughs> like, okay, Jonathan, let's go. And he's like, oh, I think I just stay here. And it's like, my God, it's like jonathan's like okay we're going (laughs) uh they find they're trying to look for the egyptologist who has one of the sacred jars and he's like running around the city and emotep's right on his tail and benny is also you know ransacking his office trying to find the jar in case he doesn't have it on him which we later on learn that he does. And Rick um, uh, throws a yeah. chair at Benny. And Jonathan's like, oh, nice shot. <laughs> like, like, wow. <laughs> and he's trying to... I mean, yeah. it was. He, he, like, hits him, like, right in the back of the knees. And it just, he just crumbles. <laughs> it was. Like, it was impressive. And he's just, like, uh, trying to get information out of him. And then... Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really like the way that they're interrogating him. He's just holding him up and just holding his head near like this like apparently like really fast and high powered ceiling yeah. fan because it sounds like a spinning blade <laughs> like like you hear like the like like uh like a bunch of like blades like like swords are getting like sharpened on like a whetstone that like that like metal mm-hmm. scraping noise you know that like sing, sing yeah. like yeah like that weird noise and he's like pretty much just like it's the whole thing is like oh it's like what's he doing with the jars like oh he needs that to like resurrect his girlfriend like why does he want Evie to resurrect his dead girlfriend what does he want with the the other people to resurrect his dead girlfriend (laughs) it's basically just like this is the only thing he wants have uh what a jar and he needs all the jars yeah and he uh they hear a sound Betty punches Rick and then jumps out the window and we see Emotep with, and he's just killed the Egyptologist and has the other jar. And now he like opens his mouth and a bunch of like, uh, like the flies come out. Flies. Yeah. Like, and he goes, yeah. Um, which, which I guess counts as like another one of the plagues. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I agree. It's not very I, clear. I don't, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's very unclear because like a lot of the times Jonathan is just saying as like oh like this is one of the plagues like he he like quotes like something like from like a like a Bible like yeah. the Bible or something and just quoting this and then he doesn't do that for a while and then you see him's like and finally my la- last but not least my favorite plague is like so wait this is the last plague what happened to like because he, he only does this for like three or four plagues throughout the movies like wait you said that there were 10 plagues and yet you've only quoted yeah. four of them and I've, I've counted like the others so like yeah please explain uh yeah i don't really have any anything to defend that yeah and he goes right for uh so the americans are still guarding evie one of them decides to go down and get a drink and he's like, do you want anything? And the other one's like, yeah, give me bourbon. And, and, and a shot of bourbon. And, and a bourbon chaser. And he's like, yeah, I'll and, get your damn bourbon. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, your damn bourbon. And then he's like, 
like doing like a quick draw on like his his jar and then he hears like a something coming from like the window and then Imhotep just swarms him still in like like this like sand like like misty sand kind of like thing and you just see like the shadow of the American's body just like flailing around and just becoming thinner and thinner and being like drained and just thrown against the wall and then Imhotep just materializes and it's actually the actor. It's not he, just it's, the, the it's like partly monster. His, yeah, yeah. It, like, it's, it's most just, of him. It kind of just more looks like something's on his face. Uh, and but yeah, I love yeah. this scene because yeah, you're just seeing the silhouette of the guy being drained uh, of his skin and whatnot. Yeah, it, it's so it's so satisfying I, to watch. I honestly. agree. It's like really satisfying. Um, I mean, as morbid as that sounds, it is very satisfying because well you do see him like. Yeah, it's such it's such a really fun and interesting scene to watch that, and then he like walks over to um, Evie's door, um, and as he's walking by, you just see like the husk of the American that's left, and instead of like busting the door open, which is something that he can clearly do, you just see um, like this like like a bunch of like a small bit of sand just pouring through the key lock, and it just builds into like this huge pile of sand. And then he just materializes out of that. And it's like, yeah, that's a really cool thing. I, f- I feel like it's a bit theatrical and unnecessary and kind of time consuming because it's pouring yeah. in very slowly. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then he kisses her. But and then and then he yeah, he, he gives her he gives her a little she's smooch a, without her asleep. consent. Hashtag me, me too. And then wakes up. And yeah, yeah. it's gross. A, a guy that's not fully reformed a dead guy who's not fully reformed is kissing her it's pretty gross and then they break in with the cat and then he runs away and and and, yeah he he turns into sand and like busts through the the window but the way that they shot that is they basically just shot a huge like a huge amount of sand into the room and then they just played that footage backwards It, it worked out huh yeah I would have hated being in that room when they blasted all oh, that yeah. sand in there. <laughs> yeah, that would suck. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, after this, like pretty much like everyone and like like Artip Bay, the curator, and everyone and like the last American, they go to the museums. Like, all right, we got to find a way to kill this thing. I'm the last one. If he gets me, then there's no stopping him. Um, and, and they're like, yeah, like trying to look they, around for like, like yeah. Basically, they realize the books were mixed up because they're like trying to figure out. And actually, first of all, they see he's, Eotep's kind of sort of entranced and enslaved everybody. Cause they're all, they hear like an army of people with like pitchforks and spears and swords. Yeah. And they're all just like very like mindlessly like droning on about and uh, uh, just chanting. Yeah. Imhotep. And it's really cool because you just hear like this like drum beat going off like after yes. every time they say Imhotep and it's just like, Oh, this is that's good. Yes. I really liked it. it. It was like very like intimidating and like foreboding. It's like Imhotep, boom, Imhotep, boom. It's like it's ooh, I'm getting hyped. I totally agree. My right before my sister left for college, she was watching of the movies that she wasn't going to take with her, including The Mummy. And it was, like, past midnight, and I walk by her room, and I just hear, Emotep. And for a split second, I was like, <laughs> what? And I'm like, oh, it's it's The Mummy. 
But yeah. Uh, no, no. Imhotep and his his army of mindless minions were outside your house. Oh yeah, for, for sure. And yeah, yeah. Um, because he's there to swallow your soul. And then uh, they're trying they're trying to figure out where the other book is because they've been they were. I forgot, was it they were yeah, the, mixed the pem- up the, or intentionally the, no, the, mixed up so the, people wouldn't figure out where they were? No, the pem- the Pembridge scholars mixed it up in their research, which I don't know how they even knew that those were even things that existed in a city that they thought was made up. Well, no, she knew, Evie knew uh, the Book of Amun Ra. So I don't think that's weird. That I, I think it's just all no. They, she she li- she literally says in in the museum scene the Pembridge scholars mixed up the books in their research, and so if, if the book was here, then this book needs to be here. And she says, and it's like, ha, huh, take that, Pembridge scholars. And she they she literally says that the Pembridge scholars made the mistake, yeah. which kind of brings into question how did the Pembridge scholars even know that the books these two like thought to believed fictional books were in these location this location of a temple that everyone including the museum curator was made to believe didn't exist it's like that's like saying i know where like the the trident of poseidon is in the lost city of atlantis like there there's no there's nothing to back that up like there's no like major research without proving the fact that that city but i looked at it more as like I was thinking more of like hype of like let's say the city is real, and with these artifacts that we are unsure of if they're real. I get what you're saying, but I, I kind of thought of it more as like if it's real, they, yeah, how would they have known? I guess is the real question. Yeah, because they never, because they, it's never explained like how the Pembridge scholars. Okay. Knew that it existed, unless like they were also part of the Magi, and they were just using their inside knowledge to get a like an academic one up on everyone. Which I feel like the Magi would have just immediately like killed them for doing that. Yeah. So okay, I I get what you mean. I just like interesting. I don't know. That's that's a fair point. I got a. Uh, that's a fair point. But regardless, they mixed up the books and Evie's trying to figure it out and realizing, okay, well, if, if the book of the, the so they, they found the, let's be clear because I was even, I've seen this movie a bunch and then I realized I was even getting mixed up. There's the book of the dead and the book of the living. And the one they found is the book of the dead, which gives life and the book of the living which- which is the book yeah, they're looking which for, is kind of takes a weird, life away. I kind of like that kind of like yin-yang kind of juxtaposition between yes. the two of them. Um, it did get, it was really confusing yes. watching this as a kid because I could not comprehend that. I, I understood like, oh, the book, I understood like, it, it was it was more of you knew the opposite of the books. It was more just the confusion of like, so wait, the book that they just found, it was more the confusion of which is the book of the life and which is the book of the dead. Because uh, it was more confusing on, wait, wait, this book gives them life. This book, I was, it's literally a line of dialogue in the second mummy. And I'm assuming it's because people were getting confused. They literally say the book of the dead gives life and the book of the living takes life away. And uh, she figures out that, so yeah, the book, this book was in the statue of Anubis, where the, a book of the, Book of Un-Ra was supposed to be, 
which meant that the Book of Moon Ra was in the statue of Horus. And she's like, <laughs> take that, Bembridge scholars. Like, she was so excited. And uh, uh, Jonathan goes out to get the car, and he comes across the mob, and he panics and just starts pretending to be one of them, going, Emotep, yeah. just, like, joins they, they in. All, they all kind of, like, follow suit, and it's like, that is the smartest, dumbest thing I've seen. And it, it's so idiotically brilliant that I actually have no complaints for it. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, I mean, I don't know, like in, in uh, Return of the Jedi, when Han Solo literally just taps the shoulder of oh, this, yeah. <laughs> one of the guards and then runs the other way. It's that same kind of, it's so innocent that it's brilliant. But for here, I wonder, like, if he had just did, as long as he wasn't running at them and been an obvious enemy, would they have chased him? Or if he just, like, I, I like think, stood I, frozen? Because like, Imhotep know, had never really had a reason to directly kill Jonathan. He was mainly just after, like, the American and Evie. Like, everyone else just, like, I yeah. kill them, I guess. I don't know. Just kill whoever's in your way. And he just, like, oh, he's one of us. I, I, I don't think, like, the mindless slaves had much uh, room f- to complex thinking at that time like they, they were pretty yeah. much just like mind controlled and just like if they were given any complex orders other than one word uh commands of kill and find i think you could get away with a lot probably probably uh so they all get in the car and they're driving away and then the mob pretty much surrounds them and they stop and then rick just literally slams his uh jonathan's driving but rick just slams his foot on the gas and they just (laughs) run down these people but some of them like jump into the car and are like they're like throwing people off and the american is shooting and gets thrown out of the car and is shooting all these people and then he runs out of bullets which i I actually really like that scene of just like after he falls off and is kind of like backed in a corner and he just like just firing nonchalantly at these people that are charging with like all these swords and knives. And then after a while, he just like click, 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 click. Like he's still shooting, even though nothing's coming out. And you just see like everyone just like standing there, not moving, like making no indication that they're like a direct threat to him. Like by like, not like charging him, but he's just like, Oh shit. (laughs) Like he he just has that, like, Oh, I'm going to die face. And then, uh Imhotep comes by and they they like they open up for him and then like the american like like reaches into his pocket and like hands him the jar thinking like oh like hopefully like this will this he can take and he'll let me go and then yeah no he just he just basically eats him <laughs> yeah and they they the car what did the car hit the car hit something. They all get out. It hit like a, it. It hit a, a fountain yeah. because there were so there were so many people on the front windshield that they couldn't really see where they were going. And they all get out and they're surrounded. And Emotep, well, okay, so Emotep basically says like to Edie, like, "Come with me," and or it's time for you to make. He's like, "It's time to make you mine forever." And Benny's translating and. Evie's like for all eternity, idiot. <laughs> like, like she knows more than him. Like, <laughs> she, shut up. She, she's cor- she's correcting his ancient grammar. <laughs> and then um, he's like, "If you come with me, I'll spare your friends." And she's like, "Okay, well, I gotta go." And Rick does not want to let her go. And she's like, "No, you got you." 
he's got to take me back to Hamanoptera, and Artif Bey is just like, yeah, live today, fight tomorrow. And he's like, that's good advice. I really love Artif Bey. Like, he's a, a badass. He's very, but he's very underrated in this movie. He's I, I feel super like. underrated. And he's just like, he's kind of like the. It's a little like his role is kind of like a like a monk. We don't really know much about the job other than that they are descendants of pharaohs and they're super loyal and sworn to protect. Yeah. Um, yeah and apparently yeah. really bad at their job. <laughs> I mean, they kept... No one discovered it for like 3,000 years. Yeah, but they then let the one guy who knew about it go away unharmed when they... It's like, oh, we'll just let the desert, like, kill him. Oh, like, well, yeah. Why? You can just kill him now. Also, they never explain how Benny got out of there. I mean, well, Benny, I guess, just locked barricaded himself and then just opened it when he probably, he probably hung out there for a little while and then just waited until everyone was gone. But, yeah, that makes, why would they have, fair enough. Um, why would it, why didn't they kill him? As for Rick, I don't know. I think it's just cause yeah, he was a, he's there, but he also, he's leaving. It's not like he's, he's like wandering. He's unarmed. I think it was just, he's an innocent bystander. Like, let's just let the desert kill him. And the desert didn't kill him. Yeah. I mean, I understand the reasoning of like, oh yeah, there's no way he can get through this desert without dying, but it just feels like the risk of, but if he gets out, then yeah. he could tell people where this place is that we are sworn to protect with our very lives. And it just makes, it's like, it's one of those situations of like, kind of like a, like a bad guy. I was like, Oh, don't you want to know if like the, the hero survived or, or if the hero died, it's like, no, I just want to assume that it went off without a hitch without any visual confirmation. It's like, yeah, dude, you can just do it right now. <laughs> yeah. There's this, I haven't, I didn't finish it. It's on Hulu. It's a show called reprisal. And it's more of like a, it's basically this woman who was part of this gang and she's left her dead and she's, seeking her vengeance and like build to has this like plan to like get her revenge on them. And there's this whole part where she basically says like, they didn't even bother to check that I was alive. They just assumed I was dead. And it's more of like, they assumed she was dead because she's a woman. It was more of that aspect. But like, if they had been smarter aside from that, if they hadn't smarter, why not just double check to make sure she was dead? But it, yeah, it's same thing. Like it, it's, yeah, if they want to be extra safe, because they do say when they go to the curator and they're and Evie's like, so you think that this is justifies killing innocent people? And they're like, yeah, it does. So, yeah, I, I guess. So just like it makes no sense on why they didn't just like, yeah, let's just be sure, because we've been doing this for 3000 years and we've had a pretty spotless record up to this point. Let's keep it. But that I also kind of like, yeah, it would have made sense, but it's. They assumed he would have been dead. I, fair enough. They, yeah, they should have. To be safe, they could have just killed him. But I kind of like that idea of. Come on, you got a double tap. If you they got a double tap, if they had killed him, none of this would have happened. That one little, I, those kind of little details where if this one thing didn't happen, none of this would have happened. And I, I, they, it's either, it's either lazy or it's like oh my god it's either lazy or it's exciting 
you know, it's it's one of the it's it's interesting for the story because it's something that could have been gone drastically different. Um anyway, so yeah, Artifact's super underrated and he's like saying, No, we we have more time, just let her go. And then of course Emotep decides to you know, ah, oh, no, I'm just gonna kill him. It's like, oh yeah, 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 kill him anyway. Um, so they they managed to uh, Jonathan, Rick, and Ardeth Bay escape through like this like storm drain, and the curator stays behind, like holds them off, and he eventually dies. And they like the next morning they make their way to the airfield with Winston. It's like, hey, we need you to fly us to Hominoptera, and you're you'll probably die. It's like, oh really? Well, let's go. Yeah, he's so excited. <laughs> and they he um they tie up Ardeth Bay and Jonathan to the wings of uh the, the plane the the plane and and Rick's just kind of like in the back seat with like the gun it's like all right uh we we need to go there and they're more or less like following like this like dust devil which is basically just like a sand tornado uh and uh Winston's all like you say that I've never seen one that big before and it's later revealed like that's Imhotep and he's carrying both Benny and Evie and then he creates this giant sand storm with his face on it, and it's chasing Winston and the the plane and the whole crew and Bricks firing his machine gun in it, and it's just it's just he's just shrugging it off. He's shooting a sandstorm. Like you can't kill that with bullets. I love um, this scene because so, I will say, uh Jonathan and Arthur Bay or yeah, are both they're supposed to strap to the wing, and they're both equally my reaction. Jonathan's just like uh, Rick's like, are you okay? And he's like, do I look okay? And Arthur Bay is just like grinning, like he's so excited. This is like the same moment in the uh, Mummy Returns when they're fighting the corpses on the bus, and at the, at the end, he's like, yeah. this was my first bus ride. <laughs> like that, he's just so ex- <laughs> like he should be more terrified, but he's so excited to um <laughs> to be just riding on a plane like this. And yeah, the Emotep, Evie, and uh, Benny land in the desert, and they're back at Hominoptera, and she sees a plane, and Emotep, of course, is trying to take it down by, with his, like, sands, I don't know what would you, he's, he's like, controlling the sands. It's just a a sentient sandstorm. And she's like, don't, you'll kill them, and Benny's like, yeah, that's the idea. So, to distract, she kisses him. And it barely, it just gives them enough to get out of the sandstorm. And she's all excited that she helped, but then she sees the plane crash land and she looks immediately like disappointed. It's like, you know, you still saved their lives. (laughs) Like you don't have to look so disappointed that they didn't land with the grace you would have liked. Um, they then, yeah, this is when Winston dies and sinks down in quicksand in his plane and they make their way into Hominoptera. And I guess in this scene, so there are the there's rocks that are lining the like they're trying to move all these rocks to get inside, and uh, the actor John Hanna is I think he's Scottish, and so as they're like he's saying no take some from the top put your backs into it and it like it's briefly for a second you can hear his Scottish accent. Oh, I, I it's didn't really pick up slight. On that. Like it's not that big a deal. It's it's a uh, it's. It's more like a funny, like, oh, haha. But, um, yeah, Emotep's trying to prepare to, you know, sacrifice Evie. And he, I, 
always forget about this scene, it seems like. The scene where he has these other corpses, like, come out of the wall. And oh, they... yeah. Yeah, well, b- b- before that, um, oh, Jonathan yeah, yeah. Um, finds, finds like, one of, like, the scarab things on the wall that the, the warden picks up earlier. Is like, hey, chaps, you better take a look at it. And the scarab, like, breaks out of that casing and burrows into his hand and up his arm and basically is trying to do the same thing that it did to the warden earlier. And, like, Rick, or Brent Fraser basically, like, stops that and just pulls out like his like butterfly knife and just like basically like skewers it out of it and then flicks it across the room and then for some reason decides to shoot this beetle that you could just smash with the oh, rocks that you've been that. doing without alerting your position he, he pulls out his gun shoots it and now the now like Imhotep knows he's there and then he resurrects like all the his like his priests that have been buried in the walls for yeah, some Yeah, I get yeah, they could have used the rocks but also I mean if a gun is a guaranteed way to, to kill it. And they're, these things are assholes and they are hard to kill. So I agree that it did give away their position, but in the moment it was probably the better option because what if the rock didn't work? I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a beetle and they have a torch. I mean, they, they, there are very, there are other options available that they could use to kill this one singular yeah. scarab like they had knives they had they had torches they had rocks they had their they had their shoes i mean yes we saw like a beetle like a scarab like burrow through the warden's shoes earlier but i mean if you step on like the like the top of its head like i don't think it can yeah. burrow through its own skull as it's caving in I mean, on itself okay. um uh yeah yeah like i felt like there were there were plenty of other options that would have not given away their position yeah Okay. Um, I never really thought about that that much. Um, yeah, he sends these other, uh, like, things, creatures out of the wall to go get him. And I always forget about this scene. And it's, it's like, they're, this is just like their fight before they even get into the prepar- the ritual room. And Ardith Bay ends up just, like, separating, saying, you know, go, go get her and, and kill the creature. And I do love this scene. So he, uh, 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 Jonathan finds the book and he's like runs into the ritual room like Evie I found the book uh, and of course Emotep's then like oh the book yeah I need that thanks and running towards him and we see Rick uh, get a sword from another statue and then breaks her free and he's got this whole weird fight with them with these with these more with these mummies and the- they try to throw a, oh yeah and, and like a slab of this, this, stone at, on him and crush him yeah i, I b- okay yeah but before that he, when he is like on he first like attacks like these mummies this is probably like the weakest part of the movie for the siege mm-hmm. on like in terms of cg like sorry it's fine like the choreography is fine it just it's very clearly He's very clearly shadow fighting right now with like mummies that aren't there i don't know if there's like like actors there that are kind of just um there like there for like composite doubles for people working behind the scenes so they can kind of have a frame of reference of where the mummies are and how they're gonna move for the most part um but it's just it's very clearly you can very clearly tell that he's not really fighting what he's actually fighting in the movie he's just fighting what we're supposed to think he's fighting and it's just it looks very hokey and fake 
and it's really like the only time in the movie where I felt like the CG did not age yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does kind of look a little weird. It's it's not like. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't. Some I mean we we've established a lot of this CGI holds up pretty well. Um, this is one of the ones that doesn't. Yeah, that, this is honestly like the only. Yeah, this is honestly like the only scene in the entire movie that I can think of that yeah. did not hold up. Like the rest of the CG in the movie is like there are times where it's like it's a little like rubbery looking or a little like glossy, but th- this is really like the only time where it's it doesn't hold up because it just looks very out of place. Mm-hmm. Everything else is fine. So yeah, we get this we get this whole fight scene and basically. Jonathan needs the key to open the book and these other uh Emotep sends these other like I don't know warrior fighter no 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 Jonathan accidentally reads something on the front cover and basically resurrects these guys but Emotep can control them because Jonathan didn't finish the inscription wait that's what what that's what that's what happened yeah yeah Jonathan like read like a phrase on the book and then like immediately after that uh these like basically like like mummy warriors show up in like full formation and then Imhotep gives them a command because he's the one in, basically like he has like magical powers now because okay. he's fully resurrected <laughs> and because Jonathan and because and because Jonathan didn't finish the inscription they don't abide by they wouldn't abide by his commands they only abide by his commands because he finished the inscription that okay, initially resurrected them i was i always thought he was like trying to figure out what was going on he i thought he was trying to read it figure it out and then that was just irrelevant and then when he she says like do something jonathan he's like what can i do and she's like you, yeah. you can control them once like read the inscription then you can control them and i'm like how is she? How is he supposed to know that? And I realized, oh, well, now that makes more sense because he's the one that. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, because he didn't finish the inscription yeah. in the first place. Um. So it then becomes like, uh, and then a Noxuna Moon starts attacking Evie while Rick's fighting all of these guys, and I love this scene because I love. There's like it's 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 exciting, but it's also really it's really fun. Like Rick's just running away from these mummies that are trying to kill him, and he like, it's 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 not as like a tension filled scene. Like this is, an like an adventure movie, at at the and that's just what it is. Like it is purely yeah. fun, and uh, I love this was that other scene where he scre- he like screams at them like ah, and then they do it back, and he's like nope. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's he's just like trying to intimidate. Yeah, but the, when they scream, their like mouths extend like far larger or far longer than like should yeah. actually be humanly possible. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's like as soon as that happens, he just immediately like books and, it in the other uh, direction. Um, so the fight ends. He's basically like, they all they're all on him. They're about to kill him, and then. Oh, oh, wait, no, so this, I uh, almost skipped, so, um, Jonathan's trying to finish the inscription, and Evie is running away from an Oxida moon, and he's like, Evie, I can't figure out this next symbol, what does it look like? Uh, it's a bird, a stork, and it is a metaphus, and this is the same, the same joke happens in Mummy Returns, that same, like, oh, ha, um, yeah. and, uh, 
I love that. I, I know I really, that one. I, I know that I one. I really like that joke. And I thought, the, the Mummy Returns is a really solid sequel because it makes fun of the, it makes fun of itself a little bit. It does do some of the same jokes, but it doesn't like go overboard. It, it's just a very, I think it's a really well done follow up to this movie. Um, and uh, anyway, so he finished, fix, finishes the inscription and uh, actually, I, it, she, he, figures out it's a metaphor and she's you know being choked by an oxygen moon and it's like all this stuff's going on and then he's just like and johnson's just like oh yeah i can oh yeah i see that like he's just like like there is no pressure <laughs> and he finishes the inscription he stops the mummies has them kill an oxygen moon and then uh emotep goes after him and rich cuts his arm off and he uh jonathan gets the key yeah and what what while yeah well while he's choking jonathan jonathan since he's like a master like sleight of hand and pickpocket is able to swipe the key from his robes and open the book for evie so she can find the inscription to kill him um and she yeah when when she opens the book she's all like cati smile cati smile power to us power to us which is probably like the easiest thing to read <laughs> it is know. literally just two words repeated the twice fact that we remember it is yeah, yeah. It, it, it well i also watched it last night <laughs> so it's like it's it's very fresh they brought on an egyptologist to try to help them phonetically because you know ancient Egyptian is a dead language. We don't really know how it sounds. And they actually like the fact that they put in so much effort to make it sound not like gibberish or anything, but actual an actual language. I like, I don't know, like I, I applaud that. Like that that's that's a lot of effort. And Yeah, the, yeah, they they put in a lot of effort for something that probably not a lot of people will like generally pick up on or no. necessarily care about. Um, and then, uh, uh, so yeah, they have the key, they're, they're opening it and Rick is being choked and he is, he's turning purple or like a blue, like there, he's, that is how yeah. strong Emotep is. And yeah, that, uh, that, yeah, that's a detail that I generally like did not know or probably didn't. I don't think I noticed it until I like rewatched it last night. I never knew that his face was turning purple. And, uh, so I guess the underworld like a character from the other world comes and they take you see his, like his, his soul it's like his mortality his immortality because you see emotep and and but you don't really know what's going on and they don't know what they're seeing and rick's like i thought you said this was gonna, gonna, was gonna kill him and then he stabs emotep and he's mortal now and he falls into this what there's like there's water there's like a I don't know, water source in there and he falls in. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the same water source from like earlier where, um, uh, an oxygen moon soul like jumps out of to jump back into her her body. Yes. Yes. So I, I just assumed it was like, like, like the well of souls or something like that, or like, like some kind of like passage to the underworld. And, um, then during this whole time, Benny, is getting gold from the when they so when uh Jonathan Rick and Art if they come in there is this room filled with treasure and Benny's been just going back and forth and getting treasure from the room and I guess so there's a scene he's trying to put it on like a camel and I guess he struggled yeah. a lot with this because the camels for some reason did not like him 
They just like <laughs> did not want to oblige. And uh, he keeps going back and then. That's super weird. I never knew that. Like, they just did not like this actor. They had, they, for some reason, they don't, I don't know what it was. And then uh, he, on his, one of his trips, he put, sets his bag on this, like, there's like this, like this, arm like, sticking lever. out. Yeah. And it turns out to be a lever and the whole thing starts to collapse. And so they're, running they're all racing to get out of the city and jonathan drops the book and it lands in the water and evie goes back like you've dropped the book like oh and they have to pull her away and then the same thing happens when they get to the treasure room where jonathan's like can't we just like no yeah and and see right (laughs) this this whole time he's like oh like where's the treasure because this place is supposed to hold like the treasures of egypt and all the pharaohs and it definitely delivers. This entire room is just wall to wall covered in like gold statues and piles it's of like the gold cave of wonders. and jade and yeah and jade yeah and jade statues. It's just amazing. And uh, this scene, so yeah, they're they're running. There there is like a ceiling that's starting to come down. Like it's gonna crush them. And Benny is like just behind them, and Rick is trying to help him. And he has been nothing but an asshole. He could just leave him there. But no, he still makes the effort to try to help this guy. And he's not able to, because his arm is literally about to be crushed. And he's like, bye, Benny. And they all escape, except for Benny, who's manages to crawl out of that space. He's in a room full of gold and then scarabs. And his flame, his, his torch is going out. And then... You just hear them all swarm and him screaming. And it's like... Well, that's a fitting end for the most irredeemable character in the movie. And then um, the they're like rushing out of the city. It's everything's falling over and collapsing, and and then Ardith Bay, I guess, somehow got out, and he basically says to them like, "Thank you" and whatever, and he takes off. And then it's it's kind of cheesy, and then at the end, because Jonathan's just like, "Oh, we go home with no treasure and empty-handed," and. Rick's just like, I wouldn't say that to Evie. And even, I appreciate, it's a very meta joke, because even Jonathan rolls his eyes and is like, oh, please. Like, that's so lame. And then they kiss, and they are on their camels, and we see that there's some of Benny's uh, treasure that he took. Treasure was on the camels that they are So they riding. don't go home empty-handed. And the I actually love this scene. It's probably one of my favorite parts of the movie the very end because the music and they're like on the camels going traveling off into the desert with the sunset it's it's just a yeah walking off into the sunset it's just it's just so iconic and picturesque and yeah exactly and then the movie ends um yeah i i love this movie so much and i <laughs> i got into it when i was in like middle school i found it i came across it I think that's when the third mummy and journey to the center of the earth came out. And that's when I started, I didn't really watch that journey to the center of the earth, but I just, that's when yeah. Brendan Fraser was kind of like becoming more of like, Oh, this guy. Yeah. I, I definitely started watching these at um, like a much younger age than you probably. I, I think I started watching these probably like around like, like maybe like fifth grade or something like that, like like fourth or fifth grade. This was just like something that like we would always watch in like our DVD player and like our like minivan whenever we were like driving to go see our grandparents out of town. And it was just something that I, I always just associate with like long road yeah. trips. 
uh and I, it's just it's always going to be connected to like those like childhood memories and it, it, it's one of the reasons why i love the movie so much is because it is a very nostalgic movie but at the same time it's also a really good movie it's a very satisfying like swashbuckling adventure movie uh with like elements of like horror and romance and it's just it's a really solid movie that aged very well aside from that one scene that i pointed mm-hmm. out but even then it's worst scene still holds up as good if not better than most scenes in like these cgi filled like schlock fests like the new mummy yeah <laughs> um yeah the new mummy is just so bad it's a it's a fun bad it's a it's a really good bad movie actually no it's not a good bad movie it's a dumb adventure movie and it's terrible, but I, it's super entertaining, but it sucks, but it's entertaining. That's how I view it. Um, so Kevin, is there anything about this movie that you think is real? Um, I, I don't think that this movie would have gone on the way that it, it did, because I, I, I think I kind of said this before of if the Magi were really like hell bent and as loyal as they were to make sure that there were no like leaks of information about this whatsoever, then they wouldn't have been so like cavalier about the idea of letting the desert kill uh, Rick and just have killed him themselves just so that they would have like 100% like confirmation that they don't have to worry about this guy potentially leading more people to uh Hominoptera. Would it have made sense if there was more of a reason why they didn't kill him? Like maybe uh they were tr- they I don't know, they accidentally got involved in that battle and Rick saved Ardeth Bay or something like that and then he kind of feels like you know I say yeah, something like that. If they, yeah, if they had done that, or if they like showed that, like, oh, like they respect like him as like a warrior or something. So like, we will not kill you this day. And since I, I don't know if they if they had given like more of a reason as to why they didn't kill him, rather than nah, let's just let the desert kill him. I'm feeling lazy today. I, I only I didn't bring my gun. It it just it made it seem like they didn't want to do it because they didn't felt like they didn't necessarily have to when at the same time they definitely 100% had to kill him. Yeah. It's it's like if the end, if the end goal is make sure Rick is dead, then why leave it to chance with the desert and just kill him yourself? There's like, even if it's like you guys are like the top like leaders of the Magi and you can't risk any of you guys being killed. There's still like eight of you on horseback and he's unarmed. You yeah. can take him. So yeah, that, that like if aside from that, I feel like the movie did progress at a natural pace and still kind of went uh, at a normal. Uh, I I think the movie the the events of the movie still would have gone on the same way they did as they were presented. It's just that one scene that kind of irks me. Yeah, I um I actually feel like I I I never really gave that much thought that scene. Um, I do agree that there could have been more of a reason. And if they gave more of a reason, then it might have been 
that also would have been a little more, more interesting. We would have seen a little bit more of Ardith Bay's character. Um, but I, I kind of feel like aside from that, uh, there, I mean, for me, it's more of these tiny details where I'm like, wait, how did this happen? Why do they, why does he have this? I think it's those details that I found myself like questioning more, but a lot of the, um, the actions and the need to, we brought him, we woke him up, we have to put him down. I actually felt like there was a lot of realistic things in this movie. It's all obviously unrealistic, but I feel like there's a lot of things about this that are, I found very realistic. Even despite the fact that it is a mummy being woken up and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, aside from, you know, all the magic the and all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aside from the, you know, suspension to disbelief <laughs> yeah um but yeah w- was there anything like that necessarily like stood out to you as like there's no way that this could happen because that's not how real world works um nothing's really coming to mind i think my only thing was more of Uh, yeah, I don't think anything's coming to mind. I think the only thing is I can think of, and it's, again, I love this movie, so a lot of these things, I feel like I can just, whatever, they're not things that you, you, me. You, you, can sw- you can sweep it under the rug because you have nostalgic blindness. Yes, like I didn't have okay. this. I've seen movies where they, or they rub me the wrong way, and that's just all I see, even if I really enjoy it. There's just things about it that bother me. And there's even times where... I'll watch a movie and it'll be a movie that I really loved. And then the more I watch it, the more I'm noticing its flaws. And this movie, I'm definitely noticing some flaws, but it's nothing so horribly story, things that hurt the story that I have issues with. Um, I do agree. It would have kind of made more sense if he had completely killed Mr. Burns at Halbanoptra, as opposed to just taking his eyes and then going to, Cairo and then killing him. As yeah, that, that yeah, that yeah. was kind of a weird weird decision. <laughs> um but other than that, nothing is really coming to mind. I'll watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ten out of ten would recommend this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so yeah, I, I it it's also just like the perfect like summer movie. Like this movie summer just screams like you, you, you yeah. What? Summer or Halloween, I guess. Oh, well, yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, it just, like, it, it just seems perfect. It's like, oh, they're in the hot desert, and they're they're just constantly, like, out in the sun, and it's just, like, okay, this is something I need to watch during the summer, because, like, I don't know, it just kind of has, like, that, like, extra layer of, like, immersion when you watch it in the summer, because, like, you're, like, like, yes. like, you know, like, you're, you're like, hot and sweating because it, it's summer, and it's just kind of fun kind of watching movies that kind of have, like, that weird sense of, like, immersion with it. Yes, that's, this is, I, this is my ideal, like, my favorite type of, one of my absolute favorite types of, like, genre-wise, because uh, I, I tend to, I, I love, like, adventure and action-adventure, but I love that it's set in a different time period. Because then it, yeah, it really immerses you and really takes you out of, like, you know, it's really, and it makes it an extra escape. But also, I'm not from the 1920s. I don't really, 
know a lot of whatever. It just to me adds to the uh, intrigue of it all. So yeah, it adds yeah, it adds to the immersion. So um, yeah, I it's definitely it's definitely a summer movie. I it's it's one yeah. of those movies I can watch it at any time of the year. I just can't. I just don't like. It's only like in the summer do I like really need to watch it. It's really bizarre. <laughs> um, yeah, but I absolutely uh, yeah. But we both love this movie. I got excited when I found out we both love this movie because we have very different tastes. And yeah, we both there are a couple of movies and a couple of uh franchises that we both really really love and this is one of one of them yeah there's surprisingly very little overlap in terms of movies that we both like unanimously agree on across the board yeah Uh, because i'm more because i'm more like inclined to like watching like horror and like sci-fi and and like stuff like that and you're you're more inclined to like watch stuff like this and I, I'm, I'm like actually trying i'm actually trying kind of just trying to describe like your movie taste like I don't how, how would have you describe a specific genre it's more of like it's just the way the story is like okay for me for example like with horror i as long as i'm i don't want to be like afraid like i have nightmares but as long as i have i feel tension and suspense and like like one of the things i loved about it was to me it was like kind of a mystery or like an adventure like they they gotta they got they're on a mission they gotta do this like that's the kind of stuff that i like and so the genre doesn't always matter it's more of the story if that helps yeah i know i have i'm just i'm all over the place i don't have a specific genre that i love or hate there's more just stuff that i tend to not be as interested in that's fair i mean yeah I'm, I'm definitely like more inclined to like watch something if it has a good story but i'll also like have like 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 guilty pleasures of like watching just like shitty movies for the sake of watching them because they're just entertaining to watch like i enjoy watching like really bad cheesy like horror movies because th- those are just like in my opinion like horror movies are probably like some like the easiest movies yeah. to make and it's really hard to make yeah. a good horror movie but it's really easy to make a fun horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. I really want to watch that one with uh, Greg Sestero, the like college one. I, I don't know what's called the one that it's know. like, ta- it's like shot in Chico or something. Or was the guy, let me look at it. It was the, I don't okay, know. I, I don't know. You were, you were the one that told me about this movie. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I, this is starting to freak me out. Come on, internet. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, this is gonna bug me. I will find well, it. And... Hope, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll figure it out sometime soon. But yeah. Um, in the meantime, I'm Kevin Tracy, and I'm Samantha Tomlinson, and you've been listening to Movie Reel. See you next time, folks. Bye.